0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And now, finally returning to the studio. After giving his mock draft analysis that he's going to drop on you in just a short moment... The Senior Sports Editor of the ODPH. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Coach Duffy. Guys, it's been a while.
1: It's been, I got three kids in sports right now. So life is hectic. It it is. I got my wife coaching my 11-year-old in softball now. I got my six-year-old playing her first year. And then I'm coaching my son in lacrosse. So we are
0: everywhere. I believe it. And nowhere all at the same time. It's a wild life to live. Can't see me. Ba ba ba, ba. That's right. But I'm
1: here today because we're doing this special New York Knicks edition podcast.
0: (laughs) Yes, we are. We have to talk about those Knicks and everything else going on in the land of sports. This is the sports edition of the ODPH podcast. So if you want to interact with us, and we hope you do, swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. You can interact with us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Podchaser, which still there's time to be done for reviews for good so if you do a review of any podcast doesn't just have to be us on PodChaser, they're donating 25 cents to meals on wheels and every response given back is another 25 cents they're donating so it is a great time to leave a review we've been very fortunate our reviews have been going up all over the place thank you to everybody who's been leaving them i've been responding to everybody back and this is going to go on through the end of april so we are super excited to keep this going all of that the t public store and so much more at odphpodcast.com. And remember, use the hashtag odphpod because let us kick this off with our first mock draft of the NFL draft going down next week. The big moment that this really feels like the NFL season is kicking off, in my opinion. I don't know about you guys. Nah. I love draft. I love draft season.
1: Yeah. This is my, I love. I mean, I live for the NBA draft, this draft. I, I, I love draft season. So much, so much hope in the air. So much, uh, Speculation so much, uh, you know, of the you know, who's going where, why are they going there? You know, is this picking to be a bus? Like, I just I love I dive right into it.
2: It for me, it feels like fall spring, you know, if you're familiar with that in the northern part of the wo- of the world, where you get those long months where it's real cold, snow, wind, and, and all that. It's not really a lot of fun unless you're Ken, yes. Uh, you give know, me my snow, but then I'm you get you, you got that one week, two weeks, whatever it is, where it's oh, it's 60 degrees out. You can wear shorts, you can roll the windows down, only for it to drop back into like the below freezing temperatures, and you need to bundle back up again. That's how the NFL draft is for me, because it's like, oh, hey, NFL season's almost here. Oh, by the way, you got to wait another few months for it to actually come back. For me, I
0: treat this as the second part of a great trilogy. The first one is the first day of NFL free agency, because then you get a sense of, okay, how is my team going to do? Because after the Super Bowl, there's this nice quiet lull. Everybody gets to recoup. And now you say, okay, how is my team going to try making a run for the championship? And you see where certain players fall. You see a lot of contracts get given out all over the place. Some you agree with, some you don't. And then the next is the NFL draft, where teams can say, okay, we didn't make a big splash there, but this is still some time to redeem ourselves. Drafting players can either make or break our franchise for years to come. I mean, you can you can draft players that
1: and put them in a position where you can be you know a Super Bowl contender by mm-hmm. based on in, in that year. I mean, look at the Giants uh, in that '07 uh, year. I mean, Ahmad Bradshaw, Kevin Boss, yeah. all huge you know, and late picks too. All you know were major contributors on that run to the Super Bowl. So you know, it's like you can find these players in these late rounds. That end up making your roster and yeah, really pushing you to becoming a Super Bowl contender.
0: Yeah, it's a huge deal that if you're not into football, you do pay attention to this because teams are literally made or broken that night. Well, over the stretch of three days now, but it used to be just in the in the sense of the first couple rounds.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not too keen on the Thursday night thing. <laughs> I I used to I preferred the when it was the Friday night and then Saturday Sunday mornings. Because now with um, the uh, four uh, rounds, five, six and seven Mm -hmm. being bundled together on that last day, it's just I it's I can't I used to be able to watch. I can't I can't watch it anymore. Yeah,
2: it doesn't make any difference for me just because I watched the first round. And after that, I kind of tune out. Well, the first round is always the
0: glitzy pick. It's always the one that's the big splash, that when you're taken first by a team, they determine that you are that valued of a player. The jersey presentation, the meeting Goodell, the whole thing, yep. Yeah, it's a whole, you know, extravaganza, if I can use that word. But this is where all the eyes are turning to, because this dominates sports, social media for 24 hours, if not the entire weekend, depending on where your team is doing. So this is why we devote a lot of time to this, and we give you our mock drafts. Because next week will be the actual NFL draft, so we'll kind of fine-tune our picks. But if you've been a long-time listener to the ODPH, you know we break down the top 10. However, this year we'll be doing the top 11.
2: Not sure why. It's not like anybody cares about that 11th pick. Wow.
1: 11th pick could be huge. That 11th pick could be very, very meaningful.
2: We're talking like Ryan Leaf huge.
1: No, we're talking... Jamarcus Russell huge. The oh, no. slander. No, the no. The no, slander
0: no. coming out of Padawan no, this week. No, 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 no. That, that would be your 16th
1: pick. That's where, you know, it could be boom or bust.
0: We're going to deep dive into all that right now, so we definitely want to kick this off breaking down.
1: Ken, I mean, how does it feel not having the Bills in the top 15 for the first time in, like, I don't know,
0: the last 21st century? I will admit, (laughs) I, I, I do like this. Yeah, it feels good, doesn't it? Well, I trust what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are doing up there. Sure, that we now exact, we have an idea of how to steer the ship. So for me, I'm sitting back and I'm not going, "Oh my God, what are we going to do? We have so many holes to fill on this team." And Bean has been absolutely phenomenal with his moves he's done that I'm extremely happy, like I'm going in this draft going, "Ah, uh, who do we take?" It doesn't matter because we're in a position where it's not going to boom or bust us that badly. This isn't like Jacksonville, who has been in this position many, many times before. Yeah, yeah. in the top five, if not the uh, top ten, upper echelon, yes. But now they have the number one pick. So, like to flip it for Buffalo, this is very easy for me to sit back and relax. But for the other teams in this, there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking going on. In my oh, opinion. for
1: sure. Yeah, this is going to be wild.
0: Yeah, this is going to be absolutely crazy. So, Pad, why don't you kick us off? Number
2: one team, and uh, how we go from there? Yeah, so of course, the number one overall pick uh, in the NFL draft belongs to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Finished last in the league with a abysmal record of one and fifteen. Put it to this way: the Jacksonville Jaguars have more needs on their team than you have items on your grocery list for this week. <laughs> Facts. Uh, I'm figuring it's an all safe bet. Even the player I'm going to mention figures he's probably going there. Uh, they're going to take Trevor Lawrence, uh, quarterback from Clemson. They need a quarterback. They need a lot of things, including a kitchen sink at this point. And like I said, I think at this point even Trevor Lawrence figures he's going to Jacksonville just because the fans, for those who may not have heard, Trevor Lawrence got married a week or two ago, whatever it is. The Jacksonville Jaguars fans came together, uh, donated, uh, gave him $11,000 to donate to the charity of his choice and bought him a wedding gift. He turned around and said, my wife and I are going to donate $20,000 to various organizations in the Jacksonville area. And, quote, we hope to be a part of your community soon. Coach, your
1: thoughts on the pick? Yeah, I mean, so Jacksonville obviously had a bad season, but I don't think there's as many glaring holes, uh, you know, as we may think. Because offensively, they had talent. Um, Just didn't have a quarterback in a position. I mean, obviously, you know, the running back there had a breakout season uh, up until his injury uh, was in potential for rookie of the year. Wide receiver-wise, they have some talent. You know, offensive line obviously might be a little bit shaky. And then defensively, they had some pieces that played well and, and, um, you know, were serviceable. Uh, My biggest question mark going into the year is going to be Urban uh, Urban Meyer, now an NFL coach, Mm -hmm. and what that is going to be like. Uh, is he going to implement the traditional system that he's had Um, or is he going to adopt you know evolve a little bit because we've seen what happens when college coaches that have a system like steve spurrier bring in their quote unquote dedicated system to Uh the nfl it doesn't work Um, but the biggest piece that urban meyer is going to need if he is going to implement his offense as you know pure as he can is going to be a mobile quarterback and that's Trevor Lawrence.
2: And there's going to be a lot of pressure on Urban Meyer to start out with. Like, there's always usually a little bit of pressure on college coaches who make the jump to the NFL, some more than others. But given, you know, the the kind of gravitas that comes with Urban Meyer's name and just the history and the record of what he did at the collegiate level from like a winning perspective and a championship perspective, this is going to be a you need to win now because that's the kind of pedigree you bring in.
0: This is probably the biggest no-brainer pick of the draft, in my opinion. But it's still
2: Jacksonville, so they could fuck it up.
0: This is true. And if Jacksonville does, oh, my God. I might need a paramedic. I'm going to laugh. I I mean,
2: I just, that's
1: not going to happen. I mean, at all things, it's not going to happen. Yeah, you, you know I you, mean? The biggest question mark isn't even who they're going to pick. It's going to be, what are they going to do offensively? Like, are they going to run that system or are they not? Because you, all the smoke and mirrors that were behind the Justin Fields uh, you know, and ties to Urban Meyer, mm-hmm. have that that dust has
0: settled. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's very clear where they're going. It's just, what are they going to do with it? That's the biggest X factor you're going to deal with. But with Urban Meyer, I know that he's going to make the best of the Trevor Lawrence situation. I mean, look at the pedigree he's had at Clemson, that he has already been a national champion. Right. He has been as perfect of a prospect as you can have physically – on a leader of your team, minus a couple games, right? Like I said, not like I said, it's close to perfect. Yeah. For,
1: no, listen. But, I mean, as the fuck, you know the. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, you guys know you guys probably watch college football, but mm-hmm. I mean, my beloved Fighting Irish. I'm dedicated every Saturday for three hours of Notre Dame television, plus you know what's going on in the country. Because when Notre Dame's in the top five, you know I know it's I know it's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so in fact that they've played, you know this. "Quote unquote ACC friendly schedule." I've seen Clemson very you know close, and I watch their other games when they're on TV, and I know what Trevor Lawrence is capable of, and the guy's a generational talent. There yeah. is no denying this. It's just obviously, like every other quarterback, if you can put pressure in his face and get after him, he tends to buckle a little bit. But you have to get there first. Absolutely. So.
0: Yeah, this is going to be something that Lawrence is going to be challenged with because he doesn't have the great supporting cast that he is going to that he had at Clemson. Sure. So, we're going to really see what he's made of, but I think that he's probably the safest number 1 pick we've had since Andrew Luck. I know that there has been some talk that he's done some interviews where it doesn't sound like he's as dedicated to playing long-term, but let the kid get on the field and see what you get. You can't pass on. Yeah,
1: him. I mean, you can't you can't even if there's speculation that you know, you only might get Five years out of him. Those are going to be the best five years that you're going to get Absolutely. anyway, so it's like it's a no-brainer, you know, I mean and for, you know, as much as you have that talk of, I don't know how long I'm going to play for, money talks exactly, and, and inevitably once he gets that after that rookie contract um, you know, and gets that first major deal, you know he's going to hang on for a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's going to quit exactly right away, yeah, like you know, Andrew Luck had his reasons, I don't, I don't fault him for it, but I think Lawrence is a different kind of cat in that perspective sure. that I think that he's going to try winning as long as they're trying to build around him. The only thing is how patient is he going to be in that culture where they have to go from the bottom to the top. Facts. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see about that.
2: Next up, Pad. Uh, is the New York Jets, who have finished with a record of 2-14 and 14 last year. It seemed like a near certainty to get the number one overall pick. I and think all blew it. <laughs> it. Yeah, blew it. I think the projections and the percentages were like 99% near certainty. And then they fucked it up uh jets also have a lot of issues uh, namely that being a uh, quarterback because of course we know they traded sam darnold to the carolina panthers mm-hmm. so uh looking at espn.com right now uh they have two starters on their depth chart uh right now one being uh james morgan who is, was drafted just last year in the fourth round out of florida international uh no stats uh their second string listed quarterback is a gentleman by the name of mike white who was drafted in 2018 out of western kentucky uh also no stats mm-hmm. so they need a quarterback uh and i think they're going to end up going with where you got there it is uh, i think they're going to end up going with zach wilson out of byu coach your thoughts
1: yeah i i mean the trade of Darnold was you know uh a little bit shocking to me i mean i kind of i didn't know what they were going to do right away with it and i honestly my opinion would have been holding on to him for another year. I mean, mm-hmm. you still got him in a rookie deal, you know, just drafted two years ago, uh, showed potential, you know, it's not like he was, uh, uh you know, not to be disrespectful, but he wasn't Josh Rosen exactly yeah. where, I mean, he was putting duds of performances up. Like he was serviceable in games. um, and to just dump him, you know, like that so quickly seemed like a bit of a mistake because you have so many other glaring holes, and he never had any talent around him. Yeah. So it's like you could have used this uh, second-round pick to maybe trade back and leverage it for a team that's quarterback hungry um, and maybe gotten a wide receiver uh, or one of the offensive linemen that would have been available, you know, later in the draft, depending on where you traded back to. Um, but obviously making that move. There's only one place that they can go. They're absolutely enamored with Zach Wilson from all the press junkets and the fact that they literally were on the field during his pro day. The only team to have that presence, you know, as far as being on the field talking to him. Um, so that's the only move that makes sense to me is Zach Wilson.
2: Rumor has it there's a house on for, that was up for sale down the street from his house. Uh, the Jets reportedly bought it. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, this
0: is a very puzzling pick for me. That I know they're in love with this kid and. I look at him on my paper, sure, he looks like the part that could be the franchise guy, but I also look at what you did in college, and I'm not blown away by what he did there.
1: Well, his senior year, BYU was a pretty talented team. I mean, they had that one slip up against um, one of the Eastern Carolina teams or whatever in that mm-hmm. late Friday night game where they scheduled it late just to make have a game. Um, but he had a pretty good se- f- senior season. But, I mean, th- the biggest question mark that people are having that he wasn't named team captain as a senior, and it's like
0: he's the goddamn quarterback. Like, yeah, He's don't.
1: a captain without being a captain. Like, You don't
0: have to have a C on you when you're the quarterback. Exactly. You're the franchise guy that's leading your team. I mean, it almost feels like it's a prop at that point when you're right, exactly. so on your jersey. So that being said, this pick I, I if I'm the Jets I'm not sold on him. But that is just me that I I understand they got the new head coach coming in and you know Robert Sulla from yep. San Francisco and if he sees something in him I mean he wants to make a big splash coming into the New York market. It makes sense to do it, but I do if I'm the Jets I don't take him. I take Justin Fields.
2: Uh, just some stats okay. for those who might not know. Zach Wilson in his last season at BYU uh, had a completion percentage of 73.5%. 3,692 passing yards, which was good for third in the nation. Uh, averaged 11 yards a pass. 33 touchdowns, which was also third in the nation. Uh, and then only three interceptions, which was tied for 21st in the nation.
1: So I, I agree. I, I think Fields, to me, is the second best quarterback in this draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, that uh, the college football playoff game... Um, That he had, he showed his accuracy and ability, you know, especially with so many, I mean, Ohio State was decimated with uh, COVID, uh, players with COVID protocol, uh, especially on the offensive line and in the uh, uh, skilled positions, Mm. that it was literally on his shoulders to be able to lead this team. Um, And I thought he played very, very well given that, Um, and especially in the Big Ten title game where it was literally just him, uh, you know, running all over the field. So I think to me, and and when you talk about, you know, obviously uh, Josh Allen, you know, has made the uh, North Dakota or those secondary schools uh, a little more attractive as far as uh, quarterback talent. Yeah, they become sexy picks. Yeah, they become, but I mean, to me, yeah, all right. BYU is, um, you know, in uh, the Mountain West Conference, you know, so they play some games. Um, But to me, Justin Fields has done it over the body of work, you know, as far as starting as a freshman up until his junior year, that it just, to me, playing against that talent of the Big Ten
0: outweighs, you know, what Zach Wilson might have done over a four-year career. And that's what I agree with, too. I think that teams started falling in love with taking the Josh Allens and the Carson Wentz yeah, uh, just because of what they see in the film. Now, sometimes they pan out, and I think that those are two examples. Yeah. that show that they have. I mean, Wentz jury is still out on. Right. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But I mean,
1: Zach Wilson's a fine. He's a serviceable quarterback and right. played well at BYU. It's just you know when you look at the body of work and you talk about uh of talent, you know that you face. You know, you look at what Josh what Carson Wentz has done now in the NFL not great you know and I mean it doesn't does that necessarily stem from you know what he had to face in college like no no but you know there's a little bit of a correlation there as far as all right uh Trevor Lawrence played in the ACC and went to the national title game and faced Alabama and LSU, two of the best defenses in all of college football, and played well. Yeah. That translated, you know, he's going to face, of the 11 guys that he faced on Alabama's defense, he's going to be facing 10 of them in the NFL at any given point. There's a difference in
2: going, in a video game from going from like normal difficulty to hard difficulty. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's what you're seeing with some of these quarterbacks. Where exactly. They, they, in, in, in college, they're playing all right. Yeah, they might be uneasy or something like. Hey, they're out. They're outclassing their opponents on the field because they're just better than them. But when it comes time to jump to the NFL, all of a sudden they're facing talent that isn't necessarily below them. It's as be- as good as them, if not better.
1: Now, Zach Wilson could put in the work and and rise up, you know, to that level. Um, but I mean, he's going to be doing it on a Jets team with. Not a lot of talent around him, like he did have. You know, BYU had very had a very good running back, mm-hmm. a very very good running back, and a decent wide receiver core. So, you know, now you're going to be putting in a position where
2: offensively they they're a mess. Got, they ain't got shit. Their no, num- their number one offensive weapon last year was a very old Frank Gore. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> a 39 year old Frank Gore who sat out the last two games of the season. Yeah, so he's not going in with the weapons as of right now that will make him succeed. So if Wilson does go to New York. Well, they did get the one wide receiver out of
1: Tennessee. I did That, uh, that did escape me. No, but, but still.
0: Is, but is he the game yeah, changer?
1: Yeah, guy. is that's, he going
0: to be the guy that's going to be like, all right, now we have one piece of the puzzle, you know? Yeah, so that's the argument that you have. So for the Jets, it is a rebuilding project. So the question is, is Wilson going to be the guy that can weather that storm being in New York? And granted, I know it's the Jets. They stand in the shadow of the Giants. But still, it's New York. Right. Is he going to be able to handle that? Jury is out. So if they take him, I hope for his sake he does play well. But as we saw when this happened in 2018 and Sam Darnold went there. I
2: mean, the spotlight's big. Like you said, yes, it's New York, but I feel like it's also the Jets, so they're like bottom of the totem pole it uh, is. when it comes to the, yeah, when it comes but, to the teams. But, they, st- I
1: mean, it's still, though, I mean, let's not forget uh, culture shock, too. I mean, c- coming from BYU, mm-hmm. a Mormon school, now yeah. traveling to the big lights in New York City, you know, yeah. as a 22-, 23-year-old kid gonna be a little bit of a culture shock.
0: It is gonna be, and that's where it's gonna take Wilson to really be challenged and rise to that occasion. Not saying he can't do it, but if you are looking in comparison on just strictly football and who the competition level and all the intangibles that come with it, yep. feels is the guy they should take. Yep. If they're in love with Wilson, they're gonna take him. I just hope for his sake they get some weapons around him that his confidence isn't shattered, and we don't t- say in three years that he's seeing ghosts on the field like we did with the last quarterback oh it'll be easy on the kid the jet the Patriots defense is tough to manage all right it it facts but still I uh, you know he's, he can't be afraid of any <laughs>
2: ghosts next up though pad is uh the pick from the san francisco 49ers who got it from the Miami Dolphins who got it from the Houston Texans it's confusing I know but hey Sports.
1: At least it's not the NBA where it's True. still be the rights of the Dolphins right now. Yeah, <laughs> True. Uh,
2: so the San Francisco 49ers finished last year with a record of 6-10. and 10, uh, And I think they're going to, as bizarre as it sounds, I think they're going to end up taking Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio State. Uh, writing appears to be on the wall that Jimmy Garoppolo's time in San Francisco is going to be coming to an end at, yeah. some, at some point. Where he goes and what they do with him, don't know. But for whatever reason, it's not working out. They're not exactly happy with it, and he appears to be going out the door at some point. So I think they're going to be looking for the next quarterback to step in and fill the shoes. Coach?
1: Yeah, I, um, so I, don't, I know that you're going to have your, you know, um, not necessarily speculation, but I know we had a, a bit of a disagreement when we kind of briefly talked about this the other day. But, uh, I, I mean, I definitely see them taking uh, Jones out of Alabama. I think they. I think they fell in love with Mac Jones. I think they. The you know the pro day. You know they again were running his pro day, um, which is a pretty telling sign. Um, I don't know. I don't see it personally. Um, I, I. It's crazy to me that the. Um, the Garoppolo uh, you know honeymoon phase ran so short you know i know yeah. the injury i know the injury happened but i mean up until that point they were what 7 and 0 8 and 0 something something like something that, like that yeah. with him you know in the lineup i mean uh obviously went to the super bowl so it's not like he can't play uh they are a pa- they are a defense oriented first team you know run the ball you know play it, run the ball they're basically the the 07 giants yeah. run the ball Lean on your defense, run the ball, lean on your defense. And, you know, all you need for that is a serviceable quarterback who can win games, which I feel like Garoppolo could do. So to make this move was pretty shocking, and the only way you make this move is if you're going after a quarterback.
2: I mean, the only only thing I can think of with why they're ready to move on from Garoppolo so quickly is maybe their process of thinking is, okay, coming from the Belichick system in the New England Patriots way, do your job, you know, that whole mantra studied under Tom Brady, learned from Tom Brady. Maybe they thought, oh, we're going to get Tom Brady 2.0 or 2.5, 1.5, or whatever you want to call it, and that's just not what they got, and they're not happy with it.
0: The problem I have with this is, like Coach mentioned, how the honeymoon is already done with Garoppolo, who led your team to a Super Bowl. Right. And through one bad pass. Right. That, Like, I'm sorry, it doesn't make a lot of sense – that you're so quick to drop him, especially
2: when you know, especially when you look at a situation like Atlanta and their just whole collapse. Yeah. from however many years ago that Matt Ryan is still there. Yeah, well,
1: let's not even and let's not forget they were decimated with injuries.
2: I, I exactly. Mean, uh-huh. the, the,
1: at one point, the entire wide receiver core was out. Mm. George Kittle was out for a period. The running backs were all out. I mean, they were literally down to Mike McGlinchey was playing almost two tackle positions.
2: Wasn't there one point? Like early mid part of the season, where they only had maybe one or two guys who were first stringers playing on that offense, yeah, where it was all like second and third stringers. Exactly,
1: there was was a game where Kittle was out, uh, the two wide receivers were gone, Samuel was out, yeah, and yeah, and and it was literally just Garoppolo. (laughs) And I mean, all right, could you know Tom Brady come in and maybe steal a game with playing with secondary talent, sure, but. That's not what Jimmy G is, I, and 99% of quarterbacks aren't that. So, you know, you, you have to almost say, all right, let's look at the volume of or the body of work that was there, you know, when everybody was healthy and say, all right, instead of making this huge trade that they absolutely got fleeced on, yeah, you know, the Dolphins absolutely uh-huh. 100% won this trade, and now you're going to go and you're going to rebuild when you still have George Kittle Um you know, who's obviously a star tight end. You've got um, the defensive pieces that are still in place that, you know, you could still manage. You know, obviously, I know they're getting a little older on the defensive end, but they were still good. Yeah, so serviceable. Yeah, people. and then you still, and then you've got Debo Samuel and, uh, you know, your other wide receivers that are still there. And, I mean, Debo Samuel was on the verge of, of breakout year mm. up until, you know, he was out for about two or three weeks, which killed my fantasy team, and I still have not forgotten, but <laughs> it's still there. But, I mean, they were there, you know, so, um, it's just so it's just so wild to me that it's like all right, I we have those pieces, but let's bring in a rookie quarterback to try and and lead this team, it and just, Mac Jones of all things. I mean, especially. I know that's my pick, but I'm just saying like the the all the things I've seen like they love him and look what Mac Jones had at al. I could have been the quarterback at Alabama and uh-huh. won
2: games. A rookie quarterback in that uber competitive NFC West division where high Arizona's defense.
0: Yeah, it yeah bo- it boggles my mind. That they are so quick to get rid of Garoppolo, and I'm sorry. What do they see in Mac Jones? Like, I, I mean, I, that's my pick. I mean, yeah. I don't know if that's where you're going now, but I mean,
1: yeah, Mac. I listen. He's a. He's obviously have to have some talent, but fuck, dude, he's throwing to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, and has a, a, a running back who's a shit brick house back there. Yeah, like, yeah, you better be leading the nation
0: in, in offense when you've got that around you. I'm just saying the old God! statement that I have made long time. When was the last time an Alabama quarterback was a great pro? Joe Namath is the name that comes to mind. Yes. and, and <laughs> uh-huh. it's, You look at the talent, like Coach has touched upon, and I fully agree with that take. You look at the talent you put around him, you can put anybody in there if they can throw 20 yards. I'm telling you. you. You can have that kind of career. Now, can Jones be a serviceable quarterback? Yeah, I think he has talent. Yeah. But am I saying he's the third-best quarterback in this draft? No. I, I'm telling like, I mean,
1: when the argument came of Mac Jones and, you know, the game against Notre Dame and how well he played, it was like, was it really Mac Jones? Or was it the fact that, you know, Devontae Smith was breaking double coverages all goddamn day and was wide open on all these weird screen routes and all these wheel routes that they were running? You know, because if you put Ian Book on that side of the field – I guarantee you Alabama's offense doesn't miss a beat. Yeah. And it's just its absolutely asinine to think that because he played so well in this system that he's gonna, this is going to translate, especially to a team like San Francisco that is run heavy. Not spread it out and throw it all over the field with these bubble screens and all this stuff. It is run heavy.
0: Yeah. It just doesn't make a lot of sense for the pick to be Mac Jones, even though I'm starting to believe it's going to be. Yep. That I think that I think if it falls to Justin Fields is still on the board, they have to take Fields. That would be the one if you're going to hit the reset button. But I could also see them trading out of this. That this might be a smokescreen by next week. And I think for Frisco, that would be the smart play to do. You still have Jimmy G. You still have some other needs you need to address. Why not flip that pick? Because you know there are some teams that would die to get into the third spot. So do the smart business. And get as many picks as you can and flip them back. John Lynch is a smart GM. So I'm just not sure about if this is going to be the final pick when it's all said and done. But if so, if Justin Fields is still on the board, you got to take him there. But I'm going to say for the pick, it's Mac Jones for this week. But we'll have to see what happens next week.
2: Pick number four, Pad. Uh, that belongs to the Atlanta Falcons, who finished uh, last season with a record of 4-12. and uh, Now, I... Kind of got two kind of picks with this. I think they're going to go with Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. Lord knows Atlanta needs a lot of work. Uh, They need an offense, and, you know, Julio Jones is great, but he ain't getting any younger. You know, they've got uh, Hayden Hurst, who is their uh, tight end currently, uh, who was a draft pick out of South Carolina in 2018. But you look at his stats, really nothing special. 56 catches, uh, which was tied for 57th. 571 yards, which was tied for 79th, or excuse me, was 79th in the league. only six touchdowns, which was tied for 29th. And then he averaged 10.2 yards per catch, which was 106th. So I can easily see them taking uh, Kyle Pitts the tight end, but... If things go a little wonky and the picks I mentioned ahead of time before don't necessarily go that way, I can see them taking whichever quarterback you know, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, that didn't get taken in the prior two picks. Because let's face it, Matty Ice ain't getting getting any younger. I believe he's thirty five. He turns thirty six next month. You know, more uh, more years behind him than he has ahead of him. So you might need to start looking at the uh, replacement here, at Atlanta. But I think they're going to go with the tight end. Coach? Yeah,
1: I mean, I, from all the press and everything, it sounds like they've really jumped on Kyle Pitts. Um, the problem that Atlanta has right now is that of the next, you know, five picks, none of them need a quarterback. So there's no need for any team to try and jump, you know, in front of them. Uh, I, I mean, obviously going into the draft thought that this would be the position that they would finally say, all right, you know, Matt Ryan, thank you for your service, but we're going to move on. And that didn't happen this offseason. So, um, you know, if, outside of them finding a team to be able to move up into that five spot, they're going to have to make this pick. And, yeah, I don't see how you pass
2: on, on Kyle Pitts. They also have the issue of, who is Atlanta? Yeah.
1: What is Atlanta? Not able to make this trade is that is what Atlanta is right
0: now. Oh, Atlanta. They need to take Pitts here because Pitts is the best physical player on the board. And I know that they have so many needs – But with Matt Ryan still being a serviceable quarterback, he needs to have another offensive weapon other than Julio Jones.
2: Also having a great tight end helps with a lot of things.
0: I mean, he he does have an emerging star in Ridley. Yep. So that being said, if you get Pitts there, that does give you a nice receiving core. Atlanta just needs so much work, it's like, I don't even know which way you go. But – I think Pitts is a smart move to take here.
1: Yeah. I mean, if they can't trade the pick, you don't have, you have to, there, there's no other option. You know what I mean? Like you can't, cause at least Pitts can play tight end too, you know? So it's not like you can take one of the, you know, top three wide receivers mm-hmm. because they're just not going to be on the field enough. Yeah. So it's the, the only pick would be getting a tight end that you can then stretch the
0: field with. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me about that one. So Pitts is the pick here. Number
2: five, pad that belongs to the Cincinnati Bengals, who finished last year with a record of four eleven and one. I think they're going to go with, uh, and I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize. Pinay Sewell, yep, the, uh, offensive tackle from Oregon. Uh, listen, like coach mentioned, you know the next f- these five picks already have a quarterback, so you know they've already got their quarterback in Joe Burrow.s They got a pretty okay uh, receiving core and running back committee they got there. So, what's the one thing you might look at? All right. You look at what happened with Burroughs. He got injured last year. Having a a great line around him, and especially a young offensive tackle, does not hurt.
0: No, it definitely doesn't. Coach?
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: Pads, you know, nailing this one on the head. They already have, obviously, uh, decent wide receiver weapons. They've got a good running game. Uh, This is where they start to establish an offensive line, taking Jonah Williams last year, uh, being able to move him to the right side, and playing Sewell, who – uh, NFL teams loved last year and mm-hmm. were absolutely enamored with. Um, you know, obviously only being a sophomore, so having to wait to come out this year, a lot of team, a lot of people had actually pegged uh, this pick to begin with. That's this would be Cincy's pick, regardless of where they were on the
0: board. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's a, it's a no brainer for them. This is an absolute no brainer. Sewell is probably the best offensive lineman in the draft. Facts. So they need to get as much help to Joe Burrow to keep him upright. If they want to contend and win games. So this one is a no brainer for me. Sewell is the pick to make. And I think that Joe Burrow will be extremely happy with this moving forward. Before we jump into pick six, though, let's get a quick breakout. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH pod. What is your top five picks for the NFL draft? We definitely want to know for your mock draft number one. And let's get that quick breakout and we'll be right back.
2: Have you ever wondered what scotch will make your palate feel like it's just gone on a majestic journey through the Highlands? If LeBron will ever win another ring, or if the Leafs will ever win another Stanley Cup?
3: Mike, if they tune in to Scotch and Sports, they're going to find all that out and more. They're going to find out what's souring our scotch, what our next scotch on the shelf is, and our On the Rocks segment, where we debate two topics.
1: You just met Mike, I'm Gertie, we got suds coming up, and we may be drinking scotch, but our biased opinions don't change no matter how much we've had, and we have quite a bit. We'll even answer viewer questions, so send them in. And if you don't like the answer, well, we'll just have to have another scotch and we can still all be friends. We even talk a little, or a lot, of pop culture. Where else can you find hot takes on WandaVision, NFL analysis, and the fact that the Leafs will, in fact, win the Stanley Cup this year? Answer, scotch
2: and sports.
0: Coming back for picks six through eleven on our mock draft for the ODPH podcast. So we have given you our picks for number one through five for the NFL draft taking place next week as we are recording. But let's jump back into number six, pad.
2: Yeah, so this one is uh belongs to the Miami Dolphins Boo. Boo. via the Philadelphia Boo. Eagles. Boo. Thank you. Uh the Miami Dolphins finished last year with a record of ten and six. Uh, so I think they're going to be taking the wide receiver from LSU, Jamar Chase. Uh, they, like we said, uh, they already got their quarterback. Uh, they got a, d- a decent wide receiver core with Devontae Parker and Will Fuller, although Will Fuller still needs to uh, serve uh, two more games on his suspension. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Devontae Parker, 28 years old. Uh, Will Fuller, 27 years old. I, I believe Will Fuller was only like a one-year deal or something like Will that.
1: Will Fuller, as much as I love him from the University of Notre Dame, is a walking... Injury bug, yeah. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's so you got you got the young quarterback in Tua Ryan Fitzmagic. Your closer, quote unquote, is gone. You know the training wheels are coming off this mm-hmm. this this uh, wagon. Uh, you got you're gonna have to turn them loose. And I think if you got some questions at the receiving core with who you have, wouldn't hurt to have a rookie receiver in there to kind of like buffer things out.
1: Yeah, they. I mean, they have a pretty good offensive line uh, established from last year. I do think they go wide receiver, but I actually think they go Waddle uh, out of Alabama. I think they, um, you know, even though Jamar Chase is arguably the best wide receiver in the game, you know, in this uh, draft, Mm -hmm. I think that the chemistry um, pays dividends here, and I think that you can't. You know, you just when you've had the fact that Tua had a very good year with Waddle, the year that he, you know, the year that um, that Tua came out of the draft. It's almost um, uh, you know, you can't just you can't build that chemistry out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like they, they have obviously a good um, and you when you look at uh, new uh, you look at New England mm-hmm. with what. Tom Brady was able to do with those wide receivers, you know, the Wes Welkers and everything, and the chemistry that they had. Um, You know, it just pays for itself. So I I know that Jamar Chase is probably the right pick here. I think Miami goes with the better move and opts for the chemistry and the camaraderie, and they go
0: with Waddle. Okay. I'm going to take my my anti Miami bias out of this. God, I know that's hard for you to do. I know this is. So if I'm really talking, (laughs) because I want to word this correctly. Miami traded out of the top 10. Uh Yeah. So they were at 12, and then they traded back in. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I know they had enough picks to move, and they have a lot of draft picks. So the staff down there has their work cut out for them Mm -hmm. because they're on the cusp of being contenders, Mm -hmm. as much as I hate saying that. But the biggest question mark I have is, are they still all in on Tua? Now. You would think they would be they got Ryan Fitzpatrick is now in Washington, so he doesn't have his closer. You have to let the kid play. One of two things is going to happen with this pick. The smart pick, and I agree with Coach, is getting Jalen Waddle. I think that they're gonna take a wide receiver here no matter what. But Waddle would make more sense, especially if you have to build to his confidence back up. And what I mean by this is I was very critical last year, and I, I'm not backtracking out of that statement. The fact that you didn't let him close games, mm-hmm. I think, did a lot more damage than anybody's talking about. Uh-huh. So I think that you have to rebuild some of that confidence back in him that now this is his team, win-lose-draw. Sure. You have to make him comfortable, and you have to give him those players to get the fighting chance. Waddle and the chemistry there is something that I think he would thrive with, and I think is a smart play to do. The only thing that I could see going absolutely crazy, and I'm not saying this is this would be the biggest leap of the NFL draft if this happens is they trade up to number three with Frisco hmm. and they go for one of those other quarterbacks and two is involved in the trade. I don't know how this would all shake out, but to to see them get back in the top 10. They're eyeing somebody.
2: As wild as that trade would be because that would mean Miami gave up the pick only to get it back. Let's face it, Miami's front office decisions haven't made sense for the last 22 years. Yeah,
0: the, they, the fact that they've been jumping back in and out, that's what I find is really kind of questionable. And like I said, to trade back to number three, I know it sounds a little crazy. A little But is it really out of the realm of thought? I mean, I think they jumped out of the top ten
1: because obviously they saw the opportunity to leverage some picks and then use some of those picks to trade back in once kind of the dust started to settle as far as, you know, where wide receivers were going to start to shake out. Because if you want to get one of the three, you got to be in the top ten. Because by 11, I've got all three out, off the board. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're looking to get one of these game-changing wide receivers, you got to be in the top ten, and that's what they saw.
0: And it makes sense, too. I mean, I could see him actually, I meant to say, uh, trade up to four. Yeah. To okay. trade the four. I'm sorry. Yeah, not, yeah. I not mean, it, with Atlanta. You
1: know, honestly – yeah, I mean, to me, if I'm Miami, I would be more attracted to Kyle Pitts. Yeah, that's where I mean I would want to go because you already have the two wide receiver. You know, you just signed Will Fuller, who is an explosive wide receiver, and Devontae Parker, um, you know, is also another explosive wide receiver. So adding a third in the mix, even though Will Fuller is more of a slot guy, um, to me, having Kyle Pitts as that X factor as far as being on the field. Tough matchup against safeties, impossible for a linebacker to cover. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing that makes sense to me. But then you know, like we you know touched on with that chemistry, you know, with Waddle, it's just he had his best year as mm. far as production at Alabama with Waddle there. So that that pays for itself. Like you see, you know, when teams bring in these guys that you know have had camaraderie with, uh, you know, uh, college wide receivers, you've seen production levels kind of increase a little bit and. I think it's no different here.
0: No, like I say, I agree with that. If I'm them, I stay put at six and I take one. Yeah, I just – I mean,
1: Kyle Pitts would be an attractive pick because of the X factor, but it's just, are you going to be able to move back up to four? You know, is Atlanta wanting – you know, is that the move down that they're going to want to do? You know, only four positions when they themselves don't need a Jalen Waddle? Like, that's the the question. You know what I mean? Like, if they were trading back from four and able to land – or get out of four, and Atlanta could get you know uh, more picks than just you know what is a six plus maybe a, a third or fourth rounder? Hmm. Yeah, like that would make sense to me. But when you're only going to trade back to get two two picks and stay in the top ten, that doesn't help right now because you don't need a wide receiver. That's why Kyle Pitts. You know, it's just Kyle Pitts really throws in a, a, a wrench he's, in he's this. A big, because, he's
0: a big X factor.
1: Yeah, because of how how talented in the skill set that he has at tight end. You just don't see it very often.
0: Yeah. So for Miami, I think it'd be a smart thing to do because especially if you're trying to trust Tua to lead your offense, you need every every great quarterback has a great tight end to pair off with somebody to give him a security blanket. Pitts would be a great addition for him. So that's why I said I, he could go back up to four. I'm sorry, I said three. I got a little confused with my picks here. but I think trading with Atlanta would make some sense. Sure. So, but if I'm Miami, I stay with Waddle at six.
2: Next up, though, uh, is the number seven overall pick, which belongs to the Detroit Lions, who have a finished with a record of five and eleven last year. However, I don't think they're sitting with this pick. Uh, okay, I think they're going to trade this pick with the New England Patriots, uh, and I think the Patriots are going to end up taking uh, Mac Jones, the quarterback from Alabama.
0: Oh, I,
2: I think. Listen, Tom Brady is gone, so now it's not the question of oh, we just got to you know draft a quarterback when Tom Brady retires. You ain't got that luxury no more. Mm -hmm. uh cam newton is back although i think and this is without me knowing anything i think the leash is going to be a little short uh this coming year and i think the time is like or more urgent than it has been in like the last 10-15 years that you need that to find that quarterback of the future because no disrespect jared Stenham ain't it Mm -hmm. you know brian hoyer gone so you don't have that security blanket of ah he can get you through a game but you're probably not going to win it you need somebody there to start learning and building around for the future. And as young as new England went with all of their off season free agency moves, I think this is going to be their opportunity to do it coach. So I have,
1: I have uh, new England getting up in, uh, trying to pursue for a quarterback too, but just not here. Uh, Detroit just lost uh, their best wide receiver in Kenny Galladay. Good for the New York Giants. Round of applause, everybody! Great signing, great signing, gentlemen. I refuse. All right, that's <laughs> fine, but I don't. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, so I don't think I think Detroit stays put here. I think that you know they obviously just made one of the biggest offseason trades in arguably NFL NFL history with the Golf exchange for Matt Stafford. So to me, I think that they have to go wide receiver here to give Golf something. To work with because I as I'm looking at the depth chart for the Detroit Lions it's not very good nope so I think that they go after here and this is where Jamar Chase comes off the board
0: I agree with the coach I think Detroit has taken a wide receiver here if Chase is still on the board he's gone. Yeah, you can't. I I mean, I
1: know, like, I understand. The New England is making a move. They have to get a quarterback like, Pat, you are 100% right. But Uh this pick, if Jamar Chase does drop, which I know this is my dream world of scenarios that I'm living out here on this podcast, it's just to me, if he falls, Detroit has nothing at wide receiver. Nothing. Yeah. Goff has shown that you have to put – talent around him in order to succeed mm-hmm. and if you don't have anything then jared goff is going to be a terrible quarterback for the next few years
0: he's gonna be an absolute bust if he doesn't have weapons around him and taking chase here is a smart move and i think detroit is going to do it here if, if chase is still on the board like i said there's always a chance miami might do something sure there. miami's such a big x factor in this that you don't know exactly who they're eyeing but if he's still there or even if waddle's still there one of those two is going to detroit that's a lock. Guarantee that one. Number eight, though, Pat.
2: Uh, belongs to the Carolina Panthers, who finished last year with a record of 5 and 11. Uh, and, of course, they traded in the offseason or sign or whatever it was. Uh, Sam Darnold, who was with the New York Jets last year. Uh, they got a pre- Darnold's coming in with. Uh, it's a low it's a low bar, but he's gonna cross it. Uh he's got better weapons around him than he had with the Jets. Of course he has Christian McCaffrey at running back. You got Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and David Moore at your wide receiver core. So I think with that being said, okay, you got guys to throw to, you got a guy to hand the ball off to. Uh Lord knows you you need to keep him upright and keep him protected. Uh, so I think the Panthers are going to take Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle from Northwestern.
1: Ooh, interesting pick there. Coach, who you got? So this is where I have New England making their trade to get one of their two quarterbacks. Um, obviously, you know we all think that. Uh, well, you you and I think Mac Jones is going three. Yeah. So this is where I think New England comes up and gets Justin Fields. Uh-huh. I think uh, I think that they uh, have shown you know with McDaniel's the ability to run a quote unquote modern spread offense in the NFL. And, uh, and obviously, uh, Belichick is always willing to evolve and be steps ahead. So I think that by bringing in Justin Fields, they'll be able to fully implement what McDaniels wants to do offensively. Um, and obviously they, the wide receivers, although weren't great and were a little injured, um, you know, are going to be back and healthy this year. And they went out and got two of the best tight ends in all of the NFL. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think here's where you make your move and you jump ahead of these teams to get Justin Fields.
0: We don't have a webcam here. Coach and I are sitting on opposite sides of the room. Fast. Yes, I agree fully with Coach. It's I think fantastic. I <laughs> huzzah! This is weird. We do not usually agree about this kind of football talk. No, but I, but I agree with you. I think the Patriots go. This is where they trade up. They move with Carolina. Remember, Carolina was before Deshaun Watson's mess. Yep, it was willing to trade every single pick they had no <laughs> yeah. demand to get uh, him there. They got their quarterback, so now they're going to need more picks because, obviously, trading with the Jets, still, they need to acquire you had more to mor- t- You had to mortgage the farm. Yeah, you had to do a little picks uh, trade swaps there. So, thus, New England will wheel and deal. And this is the first time, and uh, this is not a shot against New England, but this is the first time that we have ever seen Belichick even hint about moving up in a draft.
2: Yep. So, usually, they're moving out of the first round. Exactly.
0: So, this is a weird territory. I understand this is post-Brady. and Like I said, this is not a shot yeah. against New England. But that being said, I think this is where they move up because I think if Justin Fields falls this far, this is where his ride ends. He is taken at 8 by the Patriots, okay. and it's a smart move by them. So hopefully they don't do it. I still got to cheer
2: for my Bills. What can I say? Number 9, though, Pat. Uh, that belongs to the Denver Broncos, who finished last year with a record of 5-11. and 11. Uh, I'm throwing darts at the board on this one. I don't really know. Denver, you just don't know. Uh, I think they're going to end up taking uh, Trey Lance, the quarterback out of North Dakota State. You know, Drew Locke, okay, serviceable, doesn't appear to be the guy of the future that they might be hoping for. Coach, yeah, I so
1: I I this is where I peg Trey Lance to, and I think this is why uh, New England jumps up and gets their guy because they know that Denver is going to try and make a move for a quarterback. Um, kind of kind of crazy the fact that here we are talking about Denver needing a quarterback when, you know, we thought that they had the quarterback of the future and Drew Locke who came in and showed some glimpses of talent. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, I think that he fell short of what Denver was expecting in the first two years. And they go out and they get a quarterback. They've already got the tight end, you know, weapon. They've got the wide receivers. They've got the running game. They have a very good defense, and their offensive line is pretty – uh, solidified. Mm. So the only thing that makes sense here is going out and and finding a guy that you think can lead you to a championship.
0: I agree. Again, this is crazy. We should go out and buy a
2: lot of. I out know this.
0: this does not happen here on the OD page. No, T- uh, Trey Lance is the this is the pick that makes sense. Uh, Drew Lock had flashes of brilliance, but not enough to really lock in that job. No pun intended. And I think that Trey Lance, we understand, comes from the same kind of prototype as Carson Wentz and Josh Allen. Could he be boom or bust? I think that this pick would be safe enough for him to take at nine, Denver is, that it wouldn't hurt them so much long-term because they've taken chances before it hasn't panned out, but they have the tools in place that can give a rookie quarterback a fighting chance. And I think that that's huge because you always talk about when Tebow was there, they had that great defense that carried him through games. Sure. This defense is not the same, but it's, it's good. It's very good. The offensive weapons around him, I think, are enough that they can make him serviceable. And obviously, they have their work cut out for him. But Lance, I think, would be an adequate pick here. And I think it would make a lot of sense. Number 10, how about them, Cowboys? Yeah,
2: how about them, Cowboys? Uh, they do own the number 10 overall pick. And they finished last year. Where the hell are they? I'm trying to find there. There it is. Uh, they finished last year with a record of 6-10. and 10. Uh, Let's face it. Uh, Cowboys on the offensive side of the ball, they're set like a goddamn video game. Yeah. You'd be Dak, you know, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, their offensive line, they're set on offense. So what does that mean? I think they're going to start looking at the uh, the defensive side of the ball. Uh, And you look specifically at how they did last year in terms of uh, passing defense. They were in the bottom third of the league, uh, allowing 6,183 yards of uh, passing yards, so definitely going to need to work on that defense and especially that secondary, uh, which uh, means I think they're going to take uh, Patrick Certain II, uh cornerback from Alabama. Also works for him because he would reunite with his Alabama teammate, uh, Trevon Diggs, who is also a cornerback with Dallas.
0: Coach?
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I know the offensive line had uh, some shaky performances last year, um, and Rashawn Slater is still on the board. I just – I think Dallas saw the performance that they had, especially in that game, you know, late in the season against the Giants, um, where Daniel Jones was able to, you know, not necessarily pick them apart, but was able to get, you know, guys open, um, and you know, especially with now the Giants going out and getting Galladay, um, having Slayton. Uh, you know Evan Ingram, who you know hopefully finds his hands this off season, and what I think they're going to do at eleven here when, with my next pick. Um, I think Dallas seeds the writing on the wall and knows that they need to get some help in the secondary. And Sertan is an absolute island of a corner. Uh-huh. I mean, I watched him in that game against Notre Dame. They were absolutely afraid to throw that to whatever side of the field that he's on. So I think that him being a shutdown corner is the exact, you know, and can play in isolation against a wide receiver is the absolute right pick here for them.
0: We talk about the Giants just made a big free agency signing at wide receiver. Philly has an adequate wide receiver core. If they're all healthy. Yeah.
1: Well, they got to
2: they gotta get healthy again. Yeah. <laughs> Washington. Has the man, the meant the legend, Ryan Fitzmagic.
0: Yes. It's a no brainer to take certain here. They have to get better on defense. If they are foolish enough, and it's not a foolish pick to take Slater to shore up the offensive line. It's not. sure. No, no. But when your defense is as god-awful as it was last year, right? this should be a glaring neon sign in Dallas Stadium saying defense at 10. Yeah. Facts.
2: I mean, you can have the best offense in NFL history that is completing every pass, uh, 10 yards every run, 10 yards every catch, an absolute perfect offensive game. It don't mean shit if your defense is as good as a wet paper bag.
0: Exactly, and they need to have some kind of stability. I mean, it's going to be a lot as uncertain. It really is. But I think he is built for the pressure. I think that he knows what he's going into. In Alabama, he has a stellar career. One of the most feared defenders on the, in the league. Yeah. So now you bring him to the NFL for a defense that needs an identity
2: because they don't have one. I'm sorry. No, they don't. And as somebody who is a fan of a team who has a fair number of Alabama defensive players on his team, Dante Hightower, hi, I'm looking at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama defense players, pretty damn good.
0: They usually pay
2: out. Gotta say, like, yeah. Dante came in captain of that defense. Like, they're pretty damn
1: good. You know, I I mean, as much as, you know, I, I – obviously would want them to go offensive line because then that would leave that vulnerability in the defense. certain um, is is the pick. You yeah. know, you just you don't have an option here when you're looking at your, glaring, you know, Dak Prescott's going to be coming back. You went, you know, wide receiver, heavy uh, last year. You know, you've got a serviceable tight end. So it's like you have the decent pieces, and there are other offensive linemen later on in the draft that, you know, you might be able to plug and play at right tackle. Um, but, you know, it's like, you got to get when you talk about the skill position, especially when you look at what the Giants are doing. You have to have somebody to cover people. Yeah, and certain is that. I mean, his dad was arguably one of the best uh, cornerbacks in all of the NFL history. You know, in Miami. Mm-hmm. So,
0: oh, true. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and and they, uh, you know, the believe me, they hammered that point home in that game against Notre Dame, talking about how him and his dad really break down tape together and get tendencies for wide receivers, and you know, his dad's a very big part of what he you know has learned in his skill set so
0: no brainer yeah this is absolutely no brainer sertain is going to be the guy here and if it's not they had better go get somebody as equally good on defense i i just don't see it 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 has to be him yeah so going into pick number 11 because i don't know why we're talking about this it's not like anybody cares oh we knew that we were not going to end the segment without talking about those new york giants at 11
2: yeah, so the New York Giants have the 11th overall pick finishing with a record of 6 and 10 last year. Uh let's for me they got they have Danny Dimes, you know. He's he's The a, Messiah. The Messiah. You will have yeah. a Saquon Barkley uh, returning healthy, hopefully Saquon Barkley. Sure. Uh you like your coach mentioned you have Kenny Galladay, who is a great addition for that offensive side of the ball because let's face it Having gone and watched many a football game uh, with you, Ken, last year, the Giants games were on very frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the one thing that, to me, was a glaring thing when it came to, all right, we can't run the ball every play. Danny, Danny didn't exactly have you know stellar guys to throw with. So adding Galladay, great offensive weapon. But I think you also need to add another wide receiver because you look at Sterling Shepard, uh, 66 catches, which was tied for 36th, uh, 656 yards, which was tied for 60th. Only three touchdowns, which was tied for 82nd, and he averaged 9.9 yards a catch, which was 109th in the league last year. And then you have you also had Darius Slayton, uh, who had fifty catches last year, which was tied for 76th, 751 yards passing, which was forty-sixth last year, three touchdowns, which was tied for eighty second, and he averaged fifteen yards a catch, which was good for seventeenth. As it is stands right now, defenses are just gonna double cover Kenny Galladay and, you know, try and complete it to Shepard or Darius Slayton, which May work sometimes. May not. May work more. May not work more times than others. So I think they're going to end up taking uh, Devontae Smith, the wide receiver from Alabama. Coach,
1: oh, it's music to my ears. I said this after that game against Notre Dame. This is facts. I've been saying it once they fell out of the Trevor Lawrence uh, sweepstakes. Uh, which you, which you, which you, you can still be a Giants fan. Yeah. Let's not forget uh, the whole thing you said. The I don't give a shit that he weighs 160 pounds. He could weigh a buck 40 soaking wet, and I would still make this pick. This dude's a game-changing wide receiver. Not only, not only is he, you know, in a, in a skill set where he's going to be able to be a multifaceted weapon, he's going to be able to return punts mm-hmm. and it'd be a weapon on. And when you, you know, Pat, as you list the Giants depth chart wide receiver. You know, yes, is Devontae Smith going to be on the field 90% of the time? I'm sure he is. But when you talk about the fact that now you have the depth there that you can use him as a punt returner, and if he does something happens where he sits out a player or two, you can still put yeah. in Slayton or Shepard, yeah. that's huge. I mean, think about teams that are so scared, you know, to put their ex guy at punt return because they're like, if we lose
2: him, we're toast. New yep. England did it for a lot of years with Wes Welker, Julian Edelman did it a bunch yep. on, punt, on punt returns. But you hold your breath, right? I mean, uh-huh. if they go down, you know, uh-huh.
1: so, you know, if Smith goes down, do they have a wide receiver to plug in his position? Yes, because they have Slayton who emerged last year and they have Sterling Shepard, a solid veteran. So the dual facet threat to me is absolutely absolutely making this pick a no-brainer i know slater's there and i know that's a sexy pick because oh, the giants offensive line oh, you know that's that's the sleeping giants fan the woke
2: giants fan knows
1: they know you hear me out there that their offensive line
2: is not that bad. You got another dual off dual offensive threat guy on that offense uh, in, in uh, Saquon. As watch as a Penn State fan watching Penn State games, he would return punts. Yeah, and,
1: I don't want him after breaking that tearing that ACL. He 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 <laughs> yeah. returned
2: a few he returned a few kickoffs and a few punts back for touchdowns, which was awesome to watch as a Penn State fan. That being said, you'll never see it in the NFL.
1: I want those quads wrapped in fucking bubble wrap this season, and I want him to survive up until the playoffs because that is where the Giants are going baby. No, I I this this pick is a no-brainer. Devontae Smith is an absolute dual threat and I mean, I saw today comparison, I mean, Giants fans, think of this name and the terror that it caused you during your early childhood lives, you know, if you're around 30 years old like I am. Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. that is DeVonte Smith, yeah. although more explosive. Yeah. And Deshaun Jackson terrorized us as Giants fans growing up terrorized us open all the time. And let's not forget the punt return in the Meadowlands. The, who was that?
0: The legendary one, Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm.
1: That's what Devonte Smith is going to bring to this team. I am. I am. I know that I am, you know, trying to bring this into fruition and talking it into existence by the way that I made this fancy draft work. But I mean, I I've read other fantasy drafts. I've got this CBS one sitting in front of me just so I could reference picks and where people are. And, you know, they have Devontae Smith falling there. I am elated as a Giants fan. Danny Dimes is gonna have weapons around him that if he sucks, there's no more excuses. The train the the training wheels, the excuses, all of that store all those little nuances are off. Mm-hmm. If they don't go out this year with that defense that was a top ten defense, with this offense that should be a top ten offense with Saquon returning, if they don't go out and win this terrible division and this division is bad
0: yes yeah, it's it's, it's, a dumpster it's bad fire.
1: I know I know Dallas is going to be back I Dre I know you're probably elated the fact and, and excited that Dak's going to be coming back you know you've got your wide receivers you got this that of the third but let us not forget that this Giants team gassed you when it mattered in a in a game that mattered for the playoffs because you didn't have the the, the Dallas didn't have the stones to win that game but the Giants did and the Giants tried to lose it. Let's not forget.
2: As the street prophets are fond of saying, "Coach wants the smoke." Yes,
1: I listen. I'm not being Dre. Listen, I respect the fact that you're a Dallas fan. No disrespect. I'm just saying, like this division's bad. You and I both know it. Let's not sugarcoat it. Ten or ten and seven. Ten and seven. Guys, ten and seven. Yeah, we got to remember the extra seven. game this year. <laughs> ten and seven is going to win this division, and it's going to be between the Giants. I mean, I'm sorry, I know Washington's going to be the sexy pick because they're coming back, Ryan Fitzpatrick, all that nonsense. I know they're going to be the sexy pick, but the Giants, this division's coming down to Dallas and Giants.
0: Period. This is a no brainer, unless Patrick Sertain falls. And Dallas does something completely off the wall. Cause no, the Giants. Because let's that,
2: face it, it's Jerry Jones that could happen. Let's. Not, but the Giants got Bradbury,
1: and they've got Adoree Jackson, who they just signed this off too. They the 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 one Giants fan uh, our uh, news guy listed all the Giants secondary positions. Mm-hmm. Dude, they are so deep in the sec- Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers, Julian Love, Adoree Jackson, Logan Ryan. Uh, Bradbury. They've got six secondary pa- players that are all legitimate starters on other teams that they don't have positions for because they've got fucking six of them. We have an abundance. It's like the days in New, uh, New England when you know they were really dominant in in, in on the secondary uh, against defenses and had the great uh, elite pass rushing from the linebackers. Yeah, that's what this Giants team is essentially building. I wonder why. Yeah, uh, but in try yeah, in
2: judge I mean, you know, he saw the blueprint. It's a great Jeff Patriots defenses of the past, motherfucker. That's gonna be us next year.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, fine. Next year. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you know, they have such depth at defense that's like, all right, the, the the uh, certain falls to them. They can trade this pick now. They yeah. will. They'll draft Smith. But I'm just saying, like, they have such a depth in secondary. It's spo- The
0: I mean. Buffalo, I bet you would love to have some of those Giants secondary players right oh, now. Oh, God, yeah. I, though, am saying they're taking Smith here. I think the Giants need, not want, they need, need. to have an explosive threat to, to balance out Barkley. Because you know Evan Ingram ain't the guy. Ugh. That's a low blow right now while well, I'm trying – I'm
1: getting excited here. I and know, he, but I got to – I, gotta, yeah, I gotta you had to bring real- me back to
2: earth. And the other thing, too, the other, was, <laughs> the other thing too, Barkley, that Barkley coming off the injury, they may not lean on him as heavy as they might normally I hope at, not.
0: at the start. Right, but that's why you need an explosive playmaker. And Smith's work speaks for itself.
1: Ugh, chills. Just thinking about so it. So if
0: Danny Dimes is the guy, this is going to either make him or break him because if you can't work – with Devontae Smith. And Smith, you just got to get him the ball. Facts. Because I don't, like you touched upon, I don't care how much he weighs if he's not the typical NFL prototype. He will get there. His oh. work ethic Dude, is frightening.
1: The bubble screens, the end arounds, the swing passes. I mean, just the shit you can do with him. Put him in the backfield, line him up with Saquon. I mean, yeah. just,
0: ugh. Oh. If there's it's endless. If the Giants are smart, they run him like Debo Samuel in San Francisco.
1: Well, maybe not because Debo's a
0: Debo, well, big boy. <laughs> he's, a bigger he's a bigger guy, but you know what, though? Yeah. Smith could still do the underrated. No,
1: I, 100%. I mean, there's the facets. that I mean, look at what Alabama – look how they used him. Yeah. You know, I mean, all over the field. He lined up as a running back. He lined up as a wide receiver. He lined up in the slot. He lined up next to the line of scrimmage. I mean, just – there's such an array that it's like Jason Garrett – my guy, you're you're getting a gift.
0: Yeah, that's what I say. If he gets with Garrett, it's over. Like I say, he, he doesn't have to be the bigger guy on the field. Nope. But he will make plays. The minute he gets on there, this is the Giants' identity because now you got him and Galloway. That is your wide receiver core. Yeah. Ingram can disappear for all you need. Barkley can catch balls out of the backfield, too. This is what your uh-huh. trifecta is needed.
1: Stop. 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 No more. No more. I can't take it anymore. So I'm saying... Uh-huh.
0: Unless something absolutely wild happens like Philly trades into the top ten.
1: But I but with what though? I haven't heard a Giants offense this good in eons. Yeah. I mean, literally, like you what do you do? What do you do? You hope that you leave what you do, I know how you beat the Giants. You let you leave Evan Ingram wide open and let those brick hands yeah. drop every pass. Yeah, uh, that that's was, that's the only thing you can that, do. I'm sorry, Mr. Ingram. That was mean, but you know.
0: Sad but true. Watch that game. But true. <laughs> yeah, watch that Philly Sorry. game. Sorry, yeah, Philly. Exactly. You. Uh, that's a whole different ball of wax. But that's where I think they're they're taking them too, and it would make a lot of sense. So Smith rounds out the top eleven mm. for the NFL draft mock one that we're doing here on the ODPH. Uh, since you cover your teams, I'm just going to throw in Buffalo. Do it. Taken, you know, very late in the draft, and you know, like I say, I trust what Brandon Bean is doing, so I'm not really too worried about the pick because we are picking at 30, I don't think we're going to move up. One of two things is going to happen here. I think they take Najee Harris from the running back from Alabama. Okay. Because I, right. I, right. I think, listen, Zach Moss, I like, but I don't know if he's the guy. Singletary is Darren Sproles. He's right. not an every day back. So I think if you put Harris there, I love Harris's ethic. I, I love how he goes about his business, and he just has that character about him that I think would be a perfect fit in Buffalo. Sure. So I think they either go there. But I know that Bean has been very public about saying, well, we don't need to go get a a running back. So I don't know if he's just being coy and and messing with everybody. If they don't, there's one glaring hole that they need to kind of shore up, and I think it got exposed against the game against Kansas City. You need to get fast on your wide receiver or your cornerbacks. Yep. You need – Tredavious White is a, is great. I'm not saying it's, it's all on him, but they need to inject some kind of speed and toughness there if you're going to com- be competing with Kansas City. Your bench has been set. You need to hit it. So if they don't take him there, I think they take uh, Sante Samuel Jr., cornerback okay. out of Florida State. I think that that would make the most sense because they need to get somebody back there that is going to neutralize, not say shut down, Neutralize. I say
2: if, uh, if Samuel Jr. is anything like his daddy, he'll be pretty good.
0: Yeah, that's what I say. Like, I think that there's a high upside to them. So that's my one-two pick that could happen at thirty because I think both of them are going to be right around there.
1: So I love. I, I mean, the uh, Santé Samuel pick I do like too. I, you know, overrated at Florida State. I mean, potentially there were some glimpses of, of um, you know, him being exposed. You mm-hmm. know, as far, but you know, you don't necessarily know if that was coverage or scheme. Uh, you know meaning him or the the scheme that they were running at Florida State um I mean I know he probably wouldn't slip there um but I want to throw his name out there because I think if he does Jeremiah uh Osam Coromora, Coromora mm-hmm. Nordame, the linebacker I think would help Buffalo too because of his versatility being able to cover um because there's the, the whole that the, I mean they're secondary from the linebackers to the uh, to the secondary you know the pure secondary the corners and safeties. We're absolutely exposed. You're 100% right. Yeah. But, um, you know, that kind of skill set. Or, uh, I mean, the name that I, I see getting tied to them is the uh, Afido Melifono out of Syracuse. Okay. He'd be okay, too. I, like I mean, I, I watched that. You know, obviously, Nordane played Syracuse last year. Um, and of the guys who played well, he was the sole standout for the Syracuse secondary. So,
0: Yeah, I think they'll definitely focus on that for the latter half of the draft. That I think the Bills are going to be smart about that, but I think if Harris is there, I, yeah, I, I like that. You know, you brought that up
1: after the the game against Kansas City, and I mean the, this. Like, let's look at this draft here. The depth, as far as skill position wise, oh, wide receivers and corners, is so abundant that you know you can make that pick with Najee Harris at thirty and still come back around in the second round and get a corner. Yeah, and oh, and, and still and still be a very serviceable corner. I mean, Asante Samuel right now, I mean, on this draft that I, you know, typed up for reference, isn't even going in the first round. So, I mean, he could very well be available in the second that you might be able to, A, trade up for, mm-hmm. or B, might fall to you, you know, in that deep later half of the second round because, again, you know, like I said, there was lapses of, of moments of, of coverage or whatever, so he might be there. Yeah. And Najee Harris is a great pick as far as being able to have a running back that's going to move
0: the chains. Yeah, that's what they need because I think that was one glaring hole that too much was relied on Josh's legs to move. Oh, you saw it. You saw it in that game against Kansas City. They
1: weren't weren't worried about the run at all.
0: Exactly. So when you take that element out of the Bills game, it became very one-dimensional. Josh did what he could, but he's still only one person, even though he had a great wide receiving core with him. However, that defense got exposed. So I think that's the two areas that Brandon Bean's going to focus on in this draft and I think he's going to make some adjustments. I know they are talking about Josh's contract. Both parties are in agreement it's going to get done, so I'm not even worried about ain't that. leaving. I know. They ain't leaving. I had some people hit me up on social media and say, what are you going to do without him? Like, <laughs> I'll let you know in 10 years when he leaves. Yeah.
1: He, ain't le- he loves Buffalo. Ain't nobody going to be able to pry him away. They're going to back the
0: – bring truck up, and dump money at its doorstep. Yeah, is he going to be the highest-paid one? No, but you know what? He's going to be a very <sighs> I mean, well-paid he might, quarterback. He might, he might well, be
2: the highest-paid one in Buffalo history. Oh, he'll be the highest-paid
0: in Buffalo
1: history. He might be the highest-paid. If he if they, if they he has the same season that he did this
0: year, next year, it's not out of the realm of thought. But I, dollar, dollar, bills. But dollar. I think he's going to take an adequate contract to make sure that certain players stay. Oh, you think he's that kind of guy. I do. I, <laughs> I legitimately do. I think that he... He knows. I hope, I hope
1: Daniel Jones is the same kind of guy when his contract comes up too. Then,
0: because because <laughs> they've already been talking. And they said we both like between him and Brandon Bean. They've already talked, and everybody's on the same page. It's just like a matter of like here and there. And well, I, think, yeah, I, I, mean, I think Bean has ex- said, "Hey, if you want to keep Stephon Diggs and everybody we got here, we need to work this out."
1: Hey, Tom Brady did it for a long time. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, he I, could, I can't give him enough kudos because I watched you know Eli eat. You know, two thirds of the Giants' cap space and what that did to them. And you look at other teams that sign these quarterbacks to big contracts and what it does to the other skill positions.
0: Yeah, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Exactly. And I think the Bills are going to be smart with Josh about this, and I think he understands that too. So, like I say, he's going to get paid. There's no question about that. Right. But I think is he going to get the Dak Prescott deal? I don't think so. But he'll get something close to it. But it'll be cap friendly. Have Fair. to wait and see. But the NFL draft will be taking place next week. So we gave you our mock draft version one. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. And you can also hit us up on Twitter. If you go to OD Parlay Hour, you can definitely find all our links. We definitely interact. You can say where we are wrong, where we are right. But we want to know where you're picking for your top 10 and who your team, if they're outside the top 10, who you're taking at number one. Let's have that discussion. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe?
3: Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt Ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look, no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things
0: more often than not we don't really know things but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink
3: we'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about
2: with lots of fun facts about beer
3: and from marvel to dc and star wars and to why die hard is most definitely a christmas
0: movie which it is basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts.
3: New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And now it's time to talk a little UFC. hmm. Going down this weekend at Jacksonville's
2: Arena. Uh, yeah, the Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena. Yes,
0: UFC 261, full crowd in attendance in Florida. And they have a card in front of them. Three title fights. Stacked on stacked on stacked. Yeah, the whole main card is stacked. And like I say, if you're going to watch one card this year, this one is going to be very, very tough to beat. But we are going to break down the three title fights. Count them, three. Uh-huh. So, Pad, why don't you kick us off?
2: So, yeah, the first one is in the women's flyweight division where champion Valentina Shevchenko is taking on Jessica Andrade. Uh, as we record, the current betting odds is uh, Valentina Shevchenko is a minus 400 favorite. Meanwhile, Jessica Andrade is a current plus 175 uh, favorite. uh Looking at their records, uh, there we go. Uh, Shevchenko has a record of 23 matches. She's got 20 wins, three losses. Uh, Her last loss, because Christ, that'll be a lot shorter than listing off all of her wins. Mm-hmm. Her last loss was to Amanda Nunes in a split decision uh, loss back at UFC 215. That was in September of 2017. Over on the flip side, you have Jessica Andrade, who in 29 professional matches has a win-loss record of 21-8. and eight. Uh, She won her last fight against Caitlin Chukagian, uh, who she knocked out with body punches. That was in October of last year. So, Coach, any initial thoughts on this bout?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Valentina, a clear-cut winner in this fight. I don't don't think it goes, you know, more than three rounds. I I know Andrade is a, a very tough and formidable opponent, but I just think, you know, Valentina, as far as, you know, when you talk about the fact that she's able to push Nunez to the point where nobody else has been able to before, you know, you got to give credit to that, and I think mm-hmm. that she's going to repeat here and, and move on, and, and I think that the super fight will only be
2: inevitable. Pat? Yeah, uh, looking at uh, Shevchenko's record, like I mentioned, uh, her last loss was Amanda Nunes. Her other two losses were uh, Amanda Nunes, the first time that was at UFC 196 in March of 2016, and then her only other loss was not even in the UFC. Uh, this was again to Liz Carm- Carmouche. That was in September of 2010. So in her in her very first fight was April of 2003. So she's approaching two decades, and she's only lost three times. Uh, over on the flip side, you look at Jessica Andrade. Uh, won her last fight, but prior to that, she uh, that uh, was back to back losses. Uh, First was a split decision loss to Rose Namajunas at UFC 251 in July of last year. Uh, And then the fight before that, she was knocked out by Zhang Weili. That was at the UFC fight night uh, in August of 2019. Uh, I'm going to give this to Shevchenko. She is just, unless your name is uh, Amanda Nunes, uh, nigh unbeatable.
0: Shevchenko is the best women's MMA fighter not named Amanda Nunez. Facts. Shevchenko is phenomenal, especially in the flyweight division. This is her division without question. Andrade is no slouch, though, by any means. She has fought and is a former strawweight champion. True. That she unfortunately ran into the buzzsaw known as uh, Zangwili and... Wheelie knocked her out in 42 seconds uh-huh. to lose the belt. And then they, she had the split decision against Rose Namajunas, and that's where she had her last fight against Kagan as her flyweight debut.
2: Oh, sorry, I remember the Zhang Weili fight happening because that was one of the weird ones where it was on at like 8 in the morning
0: uh, our time. Yes, yeah, because it was over in China.
2: It was over in China, and I went to gra- out to grab some breakfast from Dunkin' Donuts and figured, oh, I'll be able to make it back in time before the fight's over. Uh, joke's on me was yes. over before I even got through the line.
0: It is absolutely crazy to... That that fight was absolutely crazy, but it's not a testament to say about Andrade is going to get ran through on this oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just think if you go based off skill level, pound for pound, sure, Shevchenko is nearly untouchable. And the fact that she's been the only person to push Amanda Nunez to any kind of threat of losing is truly a testament. So this fight, I think, is going to be a stoppage of some sort in Shevchenko's favor. I think that she is going to take her into deep water. I think this is going to be around a fourth round stoppage because Shevchenko's technique at this weight class is untouchable. And I don't see anybody really challenging her to the point where I think the belt's going to get lost here. I think Andrade, if she can somehow make this into a grappling match, is going to contend, and she's going to have to grapple her. I just think Shevchenko is that skilled. She's mm-hmm. she's going to be avoiding that left and right. So that being said, I take Shevchenko with a stoppage in the fourth. Okay. Next up
2: uh, is your co-main event of the evening, and that one is for the women's strawweight uh, championship with Zhang Weili defending her belt against Rose Namajunas. Uh, Z- uh, Weili Zhang, twenty-one and one record. Rose Namajunas, nine and four record. Uh, Zhang Weili, just got to say, uh, twenty-two professional matches. Uh, 21 wins, 1 loss. Her 1 loss coming in the China MMA League in her debut professional fight uh, back in November 9th of 2013. Over on the flip side, uh, Rose Namajunas, 13 professional fights, 9 wins, 4 losses.
0: Coach, your thoughts?
1: Uh, Wang's just built differently, I think, especially in this division. I mean, I, you know, Rose, after the last title fight where she lost, you know, had that really weird comment about, you know, and just... Seemed uh, checked out in a way, you know, disinterested uh-huh. with yeah. the, you know, now the pressure's off of me. And then kind of walked out of the octagon. Like, it's a really weird comment to say after losing, you know, a title fight. Um, so I, I think Wayne comes out here and just, you know, puts I know Pe- I know Dog's going to be mad at me for this pick, but I think she absolutely
2: dominates this fight. Ped? Uh, yeah, no, I'm going with Zhang Weili as well just because, you know, I won't even list off the opponents just how the fights went down. Uh, her last fight, she won by a split decision. Uh, before that, TKO, knees and punches, unanimous decision, arm bar, unanimous decision, uh, arm bar TKO TKO decision TKO submission TKO KO you noticing a trend here? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just otherworldly. She you know, no disrespect to Thug Rose. Mm-hmm. Awesome fighter, great fighter, one of the greats of this current era. But just Zhang Weili is just on a whole other level that I don't know if Rose can, can compete with.
0: This is going to be a fight of the night contender. I am going to put this out right now. Zhang Weili against Joanna Jacek was one of the greatest fights I've ever seen, and that was last March. So she hasn't fought in over a year. And I don't think she's going to have any cage rust, so to speak. I think that she's going to be prime and ready to go for this one. That her technique, I mean, obviously she's carving her own legacy in the strawweight division. No question about that. To flip the coin, though, on Thug Rose, one of the biggest fan favorites in all of MMA, period. She is just absolutely incredible. She has gone to battle with Joanna Djerjacek. She is the one that took away the mystique of Djerjacek and stood there and just dominated the fights that she's had. Granted, when she lost to Andrade, that really shook her up. And like you touched upon, Coach, her confidence was shaken a bit. Yeah. And just kind of maybe it wasn't the best time to give interviews and kind of— Oh, sure, you know, sure. When, when you come off such an emotional high of sure. being champion and you get dominated, like she was winning the fight when she got slammed. Like we all have to remember that. Andrade slammed her and knocked her out. Mm-hmm. That's how she lost the belt. And then when they had the rematch, Thug Rose was ready for it. Her head was back in the game. And that's where she won the split decision outright. So now you have a very scrappy underdog in Thug Rose going against arguably the next big name in women's MMA in Wheelie Zhang. This can go either way. This is going to be a fight of the night contender. I do think this goes to decision. Okay. I'm going to say this right now. And I'm going to take N. new. I think Thug Rose is going to come in there and put on a hell of a performance. It's going to be gutty. It's going to be gritty. She's probably going to get busted open. But I think that she's going to win this via split decision.
2: Okay. And I should know because I'm not sure if I mentioned it or not. Uh, uh, Whaley Zhang is currently a minus 188 favorite and Rose is a plus 163.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, but Rose draws that, too, because she's she's such a fan favorite that she goes in every fight, and it's hard to root against her. Right, she's going to scrap. Yeah, and that's what you want to see in the fight. So this one, like I said, could be the fight of the night contender right right now.
2: Yeah. Uh, Next up is your main event of the evening, the fight you're all here to see for most of you. Uh, that is in the welterweight division for the welterweight championship, where champion Kamara Usman is defending his belt against Jorge Masvidal. Uh, current betting line is uh, Kamar Usman is a minus four hundred favorite. Jorge Masvidal is a plus three fifty. Jesus. Uh, yeah, uh, Kamar Usman in nineteen professional matches is has a record of eighteen and one. That one loss coming in his second ever professional fight back in May of twenty thirteen. Jorge Masvidal on the flip side, uh, 49 professional matches, 35 wins, 14 losses.
0: Coach, your thoughts?
1: Uh, I, my first take is this fight better be better than the first one because that yeah. was a snooze fest. Obviously, we had the lightning deba- uh, debacle, which we were re-upped and moved. Yeah. To yeah. Oh, yeah. To oh, yeah. the dog's house. Uh, a lot of uh, moving pieces. So it might have been just the overall exhaustion of the day that was putting me to sleep, but my God, this match had me on the rocking chair, ready to go night night. Yeah, me too. Um, I I know I know that Mozzieva um, is going to come ready to go. I mean that is his M.O. That is who he is. Um, he's you know claiming that this is going to be a, a very violent you know fight. That's going to be uh, you know hands on uh, on hands. You know it's going to be a fist fight. It's going to be scrappy. I don't think that Usman is going to want that in any shape, way, or form again. Has, Madi, has Mazival improved his grappling and, and Muay Thai and, and, you know, that type of stuff? That's going to be the question. You know, if he can grapple back and get himself off of the cage and not let Usman hold him <clears throat> in these positions, then it's a 50-50 fight. But if Usman's able to, to control him and, you know, p- his position in the octagon and able to get him on the fence... You know, get him on the floor. He's going to do what Usman does, which is score points, and he's going to do the foot stomps, and it's going to be the knee strikes, and it's going to be the same boring shit that we saw again. But I know the fight with Gilbert Burns was different. But you can't. Gilbert Burns does not have the hands that Mazival does. Right. So if you stand toe to toe with him, he will lose. If he can out wrestle him and out grapple him, it'll be Usman's fight.
2: Pad. Uh, looking at uh, some of the last few matches, uh, Masvidal, like Coach mentioned, law, his last fight he lost via unanimous decision to Kamaru Usman. Prior to that, he knocked out Nate Diaz uh, via doctor stoppage. Uh and then knocked out Ben Asker, and that was the you know the fight or the, the knockout. Infamous knee. I don't remember the, that. What
1: happened there? It I don't think we relived that this entire last week. Yeah.
2: The, you uh, know, that was don't the, even
0: get me started on that.
2: that was the knockout heard, knockout. That was the knockout heard around the world, five seconds fastest knockout in UFC history. Mm-hmm. Uh and then he knocked out Darren Till. Uh and then prior to that he lost to Steven Thompson and Damian Maya. Over on the flip side, you got Kamar Usman, knocked out Gilbert Burns, unanimous decision against Jorge Mazvidal. Knocked out Colby Covington decisions against Tyron Woodley, Rafael dos Anjos, Damian Maya, you know, just, and after that decision, knockout decision, 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 submission, knockout, 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 knockout submission, you know, then the one loss. And then his very first fight, knockout. I, unless Masvidal comes in there with something, you know, having improved on something or like when Connor came in with the shoulder shrug of doom that who the hell saw that coming, (laughs) You know, yeah. unless Mosvidal comes in with something wild like that, or like Coach said, unless he's improved on something that was lacking in the first fight, I don't see how Kamara loses this.
0: We need to remember when these two first fought that Mosvidal and John Jones were arguing about money at the time. Facts. Sure, during the UFC, and and Masvidal just got a contract redone, and this, he took this fight on short notice, mm-hmm. had so, to lose
1: thirty pounds in ten days. Yeah, it was some wild which scenario. Isn't healthy, which is on Gamebred YouTube. Uh, I just watched the two-part series on it. Um, nuts. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, first off, the dude didn't really start cutting until like three days before the fight. That's so, really not healthy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was wild. It Kids, was don't try that at home. No, exactly. I mean, it was
0: sauna, towels, sauna, towels, treadmill, sauna, towels. <laughs> and the argument was he had not been fighting, did not have a scheduled fight, but he claimed he was in the gym and he was working out and training for this. So then we got his moment. We did have a very boring fight. Let's be honest about this. This was just Usman out grappling him for five rounds. So now we fast forward a bit. Usman has now f- forged his own legacy in the UFC as one of the scariest fighters on the planet. And now we have Mazvidal, who has had a full camp. Uh huh. So there is no excuses. This is the first event in front of a live crowd in over a year. Let that sink in for a second. Let's also remember that this is in Florida, where both fighters started fighting in their respective camps. So you do have that element of you're fighting in front of friends and family, and you are going to have all eyes on the sporting world on you that night. I mean, you got... I mean, the narrative of the Black Zillas versus America Top Team, you know, yeah, kind Black of 2.0. Oh, yep. Yep. Yeah, you have that narrative going. There are a lot of storylines going with this. Mm-hmm. So it's either put up or shut up because I will tell you this, if we have another snooze fest in front of a live crowd, oh, those fans are going to be rabid.
1: Well, I'll say, especially with what the two fights are before, because they're going to be slugfest. But not mm-hmm. to mention, I mean – You're talking about the fact that Usman's put a lot of pressure on himself. Yes. In this fight, by not only the way that he called out Mazival, but the way that he's been talking in these uh, post fight press conferences about, you know, putting respect on my name, Mm -hmm. you know, this street thug, Jesus came around talking, you know, yada, yada, yada. So he's really backed himself into a corner because his performance last time was not anything where it's like, something to write home about. Yeah. And I think he's thinking that it is, or at least that's the way, I mean, he's trying to present himself and creating this narrative of, you know, I didn't have my best performance, but I still won the fight. Isn't the look that you want to have going into a fight when Mazival can easily say, I took you on three days notice or 10 days notice, lost 30 pounds and took you five rounds and clipped you.
0: Yeah. That's the narrative that we have to remember with this. But when it's all said and done, I think Usman is going to put on a highlight reel performance. I think that he understands the pressure he's put on himself. I think he understands the gravity of the situation he is in. You are in front of a sold-out arena. Uh Uh-huh. You are going to have so many eyes on you that night. And it's not to say he hasn't fought in front of a crowd before. It's not to say he hasn't fought in front of a pay-per-view before. But let's face it. This is the first time since COVID has been in effect Uh that you are now back
2: in front of a crowd. And that first fight was at the Apex behind closed doors. And Mm -hmm. let's face it. If you watched that fight, would have been booed relentlessly out of the building.
0: Yeah. So now how are you going to do this in front of your former camp and, and like, everybody that's going to be in attendance that you know? And some, and some people are just going to be excited to be back in front of a live crowd. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to perform. And I think he's going to. Because the one thing that is going to drive him to close this fight is that he can't leave any excuses on the table. If we go to another decision, Aye. I fear we're going to have a trilogy fight. Mm-hmm. And the only th- reason I'm fearing that is if Moz Ma- I mean, the smart play is to grapple with Masvidal. Sure. But you did that last time. He, you gave him an excuse to start jabber John or me, yeah. Chibber jab. jab. Jibber jab, jab. Yeah. You started giving this. So now you have to back this up. And I think Usman is going to, I think he's going to win this via stoppage in the fourth again. I'm going to take the fourth round. I think he's going to get drugged to deep waters a little bit by Masvidal. I think Masvidal is going to get into him a little bit. The first round is going to be slow. Second round can go back and forth, but I think third round is when Usman finally figures the timing out and really puts on that performance, and I think he's going to win via stoppage, which is wild to think, but he understands he can't have another grapple fest. If he does, that crowd is going to go... Absolutely insane in uh-huh. all the wrong ways. Uh-huh. And le- let's not forget, too, do we know who's in Usman's corner for this fight? One Francis Ngannou.
2: Oh, Jesus.
1: Yeah, they're. I mean, they've become friends from him. Right. I mean, Usman was just in his corner, so. Right.
0: I don't give a shit. No, but I'm just saying he will have a lot of pressure to show what he's been training with, with Ngannou about. And Ngannou throws hands like nobody else. Yeah, but,
1: I mean, that doesn't mean, I mean, just because, like, you know, John Jones could trade with... Chuck Liddell doesn't mean that he's going to come out all of a sudden with an overhand right that's going to decimate somebody.
0: That's not to say it's not. Uh,
1: Right, and that's true. But, I mean, power comes from you. It's not, you know, Ngannou's power is the fact that he's a giant, large man. You know, I mean, it's not coming from the fact that he is a puncher. It's just he's a giant,
2: large man with power. No, but I think what Ken's trying to get at is some of the technique might rub off. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I'm going with.
1: No, and I get that. But at the same time, what is Mazdival but a a a boxer, kickboxer, uh, you know, street fight mentality kind of guy that if you want to sit here and you want to try and exchange hands with him, you're going to be getting in the same waters that Nate Diaz, who's from the same similar background as Mazdival is, mm-hmm. and you're going to play to his strengths.
0: But I think he's going to want to do that in front of the live crowd. Oh, I, oh. I, I, the,
1: his yes, you're right. That is for sure because Usman's ego is going to say, "I need to make this fight exciting," mm-hmm. and the only way to do that is to to take the fight
0: to him. Exactly. That's not the smart money, though. It's not smart money, but I think he played it safe last time, and he heard all that criticism. So because suddenly, after that fight, we went away from Colby Covington, and we came suddenly full circle to Hori Mazvidal.
1: Well, and and part of that though is is that a Masvidal is you know his number. He's the best he. Outside of Connor, is the best self promoter in the game right now.
2: And Colby needs a new gimmick as of late. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, o- uh, Mazdeval worked himself back into this rematch. Yeah. 100%. And I think that, you know, the narrative that he was able to create with the uh, I, you know, I took, you know, you, we went the decision. I was on 10 days' notice. You were full camp. What does that tell me about you? You're weak. You know, got, in Usman's head, and I think that that's what helped led to this rematch so quickly. Yeah. And I just, again, though, I, you have to think with uh, Mazival having a full camp, albeit, though, that this fight was originally pegged for uh, an August-September timeline because they were going to be the coaches, you know, potentially the coaches on the Ultimate Fighter mm. season, so it did get pushed up a little bit. But, you know, they knew the fight was coming. Yeah. So, he, you know, they've been training for each other. Usman now knows... Uh, or Mazival now knows Usman's tendencies and and his strengths. So you have to think that they've worked on the grappling thing. I I just, I, I want to think like, you know, like you're saying, Ken, that Usman's going to want to try and stand with him and it's going to lead to him getting knocked out.
0: It's going to be an interesting play, but I think the live crowd factor is going to weigh in more than people are realizing, but we're all going to have to wait and see what happens Saturday night on pay-per-view, on ESPN+. Plus. So if you are watching the fight, you definitely want to swing over to twitch.tv slash 67podcast because we will be doing live commentary. Not showing the fight, but we'll give you our live reactions to all the action that is going on with UFC 261. And so. probably
1: some other random banter.
0: Oh, yes, because that's how we do. <laughs> yes. We, we, we got to fill in the gaps, baby. Exactly, because if a fight is boring, we're not going to sit there and sell you on it. No, no, no. We'll just get rich to do another one-chip challenge. Oh, God. That's That tape is still on there. For all that and so much more, twitch.tv slash podcast In the meantime, though, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts going to UFC 261 and who you got? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
3: Do not adjust your dial Your
0: well, your
3: phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds. Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating, enlightening, and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 to Nerdy Podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast Company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod. And check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now.
0: Cheers to you, nerds. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Why don't we kick off those
2: bases with the local minute pad? Yeah, so it's kind of like a quasi mashup local minute one base thing. Uh, got some Binghamton Devils news, or I guess team formerly known as Binghamton Devils news. Uh, so a little bit of behind the scenes action. We, we haven't been covering the Binghamton Devils on the podcast as much. Partially because I would sometimes forget and just, uh, we're already past it, let's move past it. Also partially, they're bad. Uh, you If you go back and listen to some of the older episodes, you can tell when they're bad because we stopped covering them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but given the news that came out last week, we really won't be covering them. Uh, so and this, some of this is, in my opinion, and some of the folks in our local area, a little shady and a little, you know, not above the table, seems a little, you know. Uh, not nice. So the story initially came out on April 16th. So that was on Friday last week. Uh, and I'm reading going to read part of the article from uh, WBNG.com. that's one of our local news stations. Uh, Quote, the future of hockey in Binghamton is in question. According to the Visions Federal Credit Union Veterans Memorial Arena Management, there is a dispute between the Binghamton Devils local ownership group and the New New Jersey Devils. The Binghamton Devils are playing the current American Hockey League season in Newark, New Jersey, due to the pandemic. The current agreement between the New Jersey Devils and the Binghamton ownership group is for five years, with the agreement ending following the 2021-22 season. Arena manager Chris Marlin said that said they were notified of the dispute earlier this week. Quote, we're a third party to that, so we don't have a lot of information other than we operate the building. But those two organizations have uh, some type of dispute that seems to put into question the placement of the AHL affiliate here. Close quote, said uh, Marlin. Additional information supports the news of a potential move in, in AHL teams. Uh, a trademark was filed by Utica Comets President Robert uh, Esche on april 5th 2021 for the utica devils the file found on the united states patent and trademark office website requested a number of items carrying the utica devils trademark ranging from clothing uh, and toy merchandise to entertainment services so they then attach the photo in the article it's a lot of legalese i won't go through the whole thing but it's if you've ever read a patent uh being filed with the u.s patent and trademark office it follows that uh there uh, the article goes on to say, according to the Utica Observer Dispatch, the Comet's contract with Vancouver Extension signed in 2018 has an opt-out following this season. Twelve sports reached out to the county, which provided the following statement on behalf of uh, Marion. A, quote, arena management was notified this week of a dispute between the Binghamton Devils local ownership group and the New Jersey Devils regarding the placement of their affiliate in Binghamton. As a third party to the agreement, uh between the two the two private businesses we do not have any further details to uh announce the arena in binghamton have been home to ahl hockey for nearly 50 years and our facility stands ready to be a home for professional hockey going forward we will do anything to be helpful close quote uh the, the, and also our uh, 12 sports wbng reached out to the american hockey league who said quote the league has not received any request from the new jersey devils to move their ahl franchise uh, the AHL also went on to say it had not received any request from Utica and had no comment to provide. So what got bombarded with that news on Friday last week, which is already bad because for those who don't know, uh, like we said, hockey has been played here in Binghamton for going on 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, we first had a team here in 1973 in the Broom Dusters. Uh, that was in the NAHL. Then you had the, Bing- the Binghamton Dusters, you know, the Whalers. Uh, and then the, uh, Rangers ranging from 1977 to 1997. Uh, once the Binghamton Rangers left, we had the BC Iceman, uh, step in for the UHL from 1997 to the
1: sickest entrance of all
2: time, Right. right? uh from 1997 two, to, to 2002 then the ahl made a comeback with the binghamton senators playing here from 2002 to 2017 and now you've got the binghamton devils who are playing here since 2017 so we're looking at the third you know if for all intents and purposes we're having a bit of deja vu when the binghamton senators the outlaw well, i should say the ottawa senators decided to up and move their franchise closer to ottawa now at the time little pissed off, a little frustrated about the whole move, but looking back on it with hindsight makes sense. I, I understand it, but now we're like, all right, we might potentially be looking at another team leaving the area. Great. Didn't even have to wait 24 hours for the damn thing to get updated because, uh, the very next day, not even 24 hours later, uh, uh, again from WBNG, uh, Binghamton Devils Executive Vice President of Operations Tom Mitchell said that the New Jersey Devils informed him earlier this week the AHL team will be relocated. Mitchell said he received formal notice Wednesday. Quote, this is devastating news to us, to the community. The demands that New Jersey Devils were putting on us were absolutely impossible and we just couldn't comply with them. So it looks like we're going to part ways and just try to move on. Close quote. Uh, so to the New Jersey Devils, I say, fuck you. Uh, if you end up going to Utica, hey, whoever signs that deal in Utica, have fun. Because it now appears that the uh, New Jersey Devils are not one to fill out a contract and want to get out as soon as fast as fucking possible. So they'll be there for a hot minute and gone. But it, it just sucks for the area because, you know, I'm not the biggest New Jersey Devils fan. I'll admit it. I'm a Rangers fan. But it's it's nice to see you know minor league hockey to eventually see these guys oh hey play here and then you see them play on the big stage in the nhl and and to lose a team in as shitty as a way to find out like this just doesn't help any coach
1: yeah i mean i not, not to uh dump on any individuals but i mean let's face it the arena is not exactly uh the palisades no and there's a lot of work that needs to be done now. I mean, are some of the devil's demands, you know, a little outlandish and a little unnecessary, like sure. But I mean, there's also a reason why the senators left. I mean, Belleville was willing to build a state of the art arena that, you know, was going to attract people and able to host and have a venue that was going to be, uh, Eye-pleasing, I guess you can sure. say. Mm. Um, you know, and now the the uh, arena has done some things, you know, yeah, to, we, to renovate, mm-hmm. which, I mean, you, you have to give them kudos for, you know, the video board. Yeah, new um, seats. New seats, you know, and all those things. But at the end of the day, the capacity. Uh, so the number of people that can come to games, you know, the parking downtown
2: is a little bit
1: of a atrocity right now.
2: It was, but they uh, – so for those who don't in the air that don't know, we had – Uh, parking garage that was two blocks, not even, yeah, yeah, uh, not even two blocks blocks from where the arena played. That got deemed structurally unsafe, so they had to tear it down. So, for the last couple years that the Devils were playing here, there was no parking garage to park there. Everyone had to go to the underground parking at the uh government offices building for like this the city in the the county and park underground. There is now that new brand spanking new parking garage there, so at least a little
1: alleviated, yeah. I'm, but obviously covid nobody can get down there right, right now so right um you know so it, it sucks for the area i mean have you know when the senators were good you know you, and when we had that team oh my god that th- lockout here yeah, yeah they can draw a crowd you know people were the arena was the place to be i mean i remember during that playoff run you know uh my high school girlfriend her parents were you know chomping at the bit to get to every game yeah they possibly could you know literally uh, scalping tickets <laughs> at certain points to be able to get to see games, especially during the Calder Cup run. So I mean, it, it's a hockey town, you know not yeah. as not as traditional as it once was, but it's still you know in our our history. Um, and it's sad to see another team leave. Um, but at the end of the day, you know the arena needs to. I mean, we're the smallest ice surface, mm-hmm. uh, the smallest seated venue. Yep, and you know the oldest. Uh, working stadium in the AHL, and that comes at a cost.
2: say, yeah, say what you will about the arena; they built that sumbitch to last. Yeah, and yeah. they sure,
1: and they did. And I mean, I'm not trying to knock anybody. I mean, I know it is what it is, but at the end of the day, you know, you have, and the operational costs yeah. are extreme. I mean, that's yeah. why the stop DWI is a shell of what it used to be because the operational cost to rent the building to oh, run yeah. that tournament oh, yeah. is too expensive. So yeah. there has to be a give and a take. There needs to be a a negotiation and, and a little bit of leeway here. Um, and I don't know what it will take to get another team here. It's obviously going to probably not be a AHL team because we just can't, we, we cannot facilitate what the AHL is now operating at. And that's,
2: that's as simple as it is. I mean I – mean, there's no sugar cone. No, there's not. But I mean, you could see another AHL team in that, you know, it it now appears if everything that, you know, our local news channel has reported is true that, you know, Utica is going to opt out with their contract with the Vancouver uh, minor league team. So the Utica Comets, it now appears that Vancouver is going to be looking for another. So this could just as easily be a swap. And, and now Vancouver's uh, minor league team comes here and Jersey's goes up there.
1: But, I mean, it, what, for another transitional year? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean,
2: I mean. listen, my heart of hearts, Rangers come back. Yeah, that's not ever happening, ever. Uh, yeah, you never say never. But, but no, but, they, but.
1: listen, they love the fact that their people are an hour and 15 minutes away via train. They, oh, lo- I, they love that.
0: I just say in this world and day and age, you never say never. But... To go back to the subject, I mean, it is an unfortunate thing that Jersey decided to pull the team out, and and the manner that it came about is... Real shady. Just, yeah, it's just... not to not to sugarcoat it, it's just very shady in my opinion. Sure. So to see what's going to happen moving forward, but I mean, what they did with Albany was shady too. Oh yeah. So, so I mean, as, th- this
2: there's is this is a track precedent. This yeah. is why I say Utica, enjoy the Devils while they're there. They will leave you at the first drop of a hat. Yeah. Well, so I mean, this, but th- that's what these team the Senators
1: did the same team to the team where they were previously to come here. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's all backdoor deals. It's all shaking hands, kissing babies, and and, and all this bullshit. It's all. At the end of the day, it's a, it's, it's unfortunately a, I don't want to say corrupted game, but it lends towards where the money is.
0: Anytime a sport becomes a business, it transcends into something else. Sure. And that's the problem you have with any sport team. Was, like I say, business is a whole different ball of wax than what you have on the game. So for us, moving forward... It's going to be interesting to see what fills the stadium, if anything, if in the arena and whatever the decisions they decide to do. I mean, that is their business and that's their prerogative. We're just giving you our opinions on it because we're going to be without hockey as of right now, as we're uh-huh. Could we have Vancouver's team come in? Maybe. Possibly. We don't know. Is there going to be an expansion team that is going to pop in here that we don't know about? Sure.
2: Oh, now that you mentioned that, there is that team in Seattle. I that's mean, coming.
0: there there's a lot of variables that could come into play, but. For sustaining a team moving forward, there's going to have to be a you know a real good hard look at what we have to do to, to yeah. keep it. In our opinion, yeah. So the more that we're focused on that and can make that long term commitment to making the upgrades and in our and to what the specifications are going to be, because
2: if you it, it it's been shown in this area, if you make the upgrades, you know to borrow the term, they will come. Yeah, exactly. If you build it, they will come. Like you and Ken, you and I both know attendance at Nice Egg Stadium, you know, the minor league baseball stadium down here for a lot of years, real low. Yeah. Not a lot of people showed up unless you had somebody from the New York Mets making a rehab assignment a la Jose Reyes. You know, not a lot of people went unless there was somebody big name popping through. Mm-hmm. But ever since they made those adjustments, you know, and those changes with and the beautiful video board they have out in the outfield, ripping out all the seats and giving them nice new seats. All the concession changes, the party deck they got in the right field seats, just all the t- people are coming. Now. Yeah. So I think the arena management needs to take a page out of their book and say, Hey, listen, we clearly need to make some changes. Let's figure out what it is. Well, exactly.
1: that and the product on the ice needs to be better. Because well, the, uh, yeah. the Mets have been pretty decent the last, what, five years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had a run there, what, yeah, three yeah, years those, ago that, in the championship. But so but it,
0: there's just there's a lot of variables that they need to just really focus in on. But sure. But it's like what can you control that's right
2: in front of you? Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing with minor league baseball is there's always a crap ton of players, so you can easily spread that out. Hockey, it's always been – How's the parent company doing? Because that's going to dictate how the minor yeah. league teams are doing.
0: It's a different way of doing business, but is just something that we are giving our opinions on because we are upset as fans that we're not going to have a team as of right now. And we're just saying, okay, what can we do moving forward with it? Because
2: we'll so, I, like I said, I love going to hockey games here locally, minor league hockey games, because good, bad, or otherwise, it's still fun to watch.
0: Yeah. No, hockey is the best thing to watch on sports in life, in my opinion. So. Like I say, a lot of work has to be done. A lot of brainstorming to sustain a future with it is got to be take a look at. And we're just, like I say, we're giving our opinions on it because we're pissed off that our team is not going to be here in the fall. But you know what? I've never been a Devils fan anyway, so good riddance. Fuck New Jersey. Coach, let us talk about something in New York.
1: Well, let's get a little positivity here. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, not to startle you, the Knicks have won seven in a row. Did anybody think we were not
0: going to talk about and the Knicks going, right now? And
1: going for number eight tonight, um, I mean, let's just talk about the fact that this Knicks team is, A, fun to watch. Yes. I mean, they they scrap, they play hard, they're playing defense. Offensively, there's fluidity when Alfred Payton's not in the lineup. Um, there is uh, a sense of hope for the first time in a long time. Um, Julius Randle... Although won't get any uh, legitimate MVP votes, should Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous that he doesn't. I mean, when you talk about the fact that you most valuable player is the guy that if you take him from your team, you know the team's not as good anymore. You know, you take Giannis out of Milwaukee, they're still going to be pretty decent. You take James Harden out of uh, Brooklyn, they're still going to be okay. You take Julius Randle from this team in New York. This team is not even close to five hundred. No, let alone talking about a playoffs? playoffs? Playoffs. Playoffs. That's what the Knicks are talking right now, the way that Julius Randle's playing. So uh, 100% deserves MVP. Uh, Rowan James Barrett, I don't know if you've heard of him, but that dude is balling right now.
0: But I thought he was a bust.
1: I thought he was terrible. I know. I, I don't know. I had him rode off, too, after yeah. his rookie season at 19 years old. What? Yeah, no, the guy can play some basketball. Shooting at an efficient clip right now, I think he's up 39% from Mm -hmm. three right now. Uh, Has found a nice little corner three spot for himself where he's able to line up. uh, And Julius Randle's able to kick it out to him after getting double teamed in the post. And he's knocking these shouts down. I mean, the game winner that he hit on John Morant was amazing. I mean, just bully balled it, took it to the rim, didn't care if he got fouled. Morant went flying into the first row because uh RJ's just too strong for him and hit a nice easy layup. So this Knicks team's great. Emmanuel quickly. The Derrick Rose trade? Yeah. Did anybody, did anybody see that landing as well as it has? Because nope. I sure shit didn't. Um I knew he was going to come in and play better because he's played better in Detroit, but the reunion that he's had with Thibodeau has been amazing. Um the the defense that they're playing from uh, the way that they handle the pick and roll and you know everybody to you know uh when Tibbs was uh rumored to be hired was crushing the Knicks. Thibodeau doesn't know how to run the pick and roll defense anymore. He's too outdated. He can't he can't play it against a modernized offense. That's why, you know, his uh stint in Minnesota didn't work. News flash, he's evolved yes. and it's working. Um and it's just it's amazing to see uh, yeah, so I mean, I mentioned Emmanuel quickly. The rookie that was an afterthought was a C grade for CBS. Mm-hmm. How's that working for you, CBS mm-hmm. and, uh, sports analyst? Because uh, he's playing a lot better than a C, and I mean, there's a lot of hope. I now
2: it's to the point where I hope they resign Julius Randle. Looks like currently the Knicks are in third place in the Atlantic Atlantic Conference. Uh, and then in the Eastern Conference, they have the fifth seed. They are mere percentage points behind Atlanta for the fourth seed. And coach, you bring up the defense. Looking real good. Uh opponent's points per game currently, right now, for the Knicks is one hundred and four point three. That is the lowest in the NBA.
1: They're the most efficient team in this month. They're the number one rated efficiency in this entire in the in the NBA for the month of April. Um so that just goes to show what you can do. Uh, when you have a team buying in you know when you have a coaching staff that believes and players that believe chemistry is there mm-hmm. and i i mean i'm so excited i love it there's a lot to be excited about mm-hmm. and I, that's not even touching on i mean i didn't get to you know we pad sent it to us uh, you know we didn't get to the um, Broken Dreams podcast oh. is also oh. uh, definitely
0: give a shout out to them.
1: Yeah, uh, Chuck D's doing a brilliant job. If you haven't heard of it, is a podcast that is uh, specifically talking about the Knicks run from the '90s on. Uh, currently sitting on episode three, which is heavily into the Dolan uh, Isaiah Thomas uh, marriage slash divorce slash remarriage slash question mark. Episode two spilled all
2: the tea about Dolan. Yeah, yeah. episode Holy T spilled a lot of fuck. Dolan
1: tea. Um, and it's just, I mean, I, you know, I thought I knew some of the things that they talked about, but I mean, they're getting some interviews and some things like I didn't realize that Patrick Ewing was one foot out the door in '91 mm-hmm. with Golden State uh-huh. Warriors. Yeah. Um. So you know, they're they're talking about some things that you know I wasn't 100% uh, knowing about. Uh, I mean, they got real messy with the uh, with the lawsuit that happened in the Garden recently with what Stefan
2: Marbury yeah. had said in, during the testimony, yeah. which I had no clue about i thought that patrick ewing bet was the most baller thing i've ever heard where he was basically like listen you try to sign him i will keep this in litigation for so long yeah you i will, will go t- bankrupt
1: yeah i will tie this up in litigation until you go bankrupt that was great fantastic
2: um but yeah it's
1: it's a if you're a knicks fan and you grew up uh in around those 90s teams those early 2000 teams um it is definitely something to listen to because it will uh it will definitely jog that memory, and it, it's coming out as a perfect time as these Knicks remind me of those '90s teams with the way that they, you know, they play hard on defense that leads to easy offense.
0: Yes, they're fun to watch, and Brooklyn, be ready. Hell, I, I honestly
1: scared. listen. If I was a team, I would not the team that I would not want to see in a seven-game series is the Knicks. Exactly, I would prefer it being a five-game series because that will always lead to the underdog. You know, but a seven game series, nonetheless. I still wouldn't want to see the Knicks because oh. they're they're going to bank. You know, like you're going to have to deal with Julius Randle for 42 minutes. You're going to have to deal with RJ for 42 minutes, and you know, Alfred Payton. God damn, you know, and and Reggie Bullock. You know, yeah. and and uh, Alex Burke. You know, like you. These are all threats that are legitimately, you know, uh, leading this team to where they are right now.
0: Yeah, they're absolutely fun to watch. There's hope in New York. There's hope. It's scary, Isn't and
1: you know what's the best part though is it. It's hope from within. Yes. It's not. You know. It's not this. All right. Who's the next? Uh. You know. Who's the superstar we're pursuing? Who's the name? You know. And all that stuff. It's homegrown. You know. Julius Randall is emerged, and I mean, I I know. Uh, real quick, I just want to touch on, uh, the story that was given two nights ago. I, I didn't get. We, sports hasn't been a priority, so we haven't really covered it. But, um. Julius Randle obviously had a stint with the Lakers. The Knicks just played the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were talking about how um, Julius Randle had, and this is the first time the Knicks have played the Lakers since the passing of Kobe Bryant. So it was a big deal, Julius Randle playing two years there with him. Uh, And they were mentioning the fact that, uh, you know, Julius Randle was really heavily influenced by Kobe. You know, he really looked up to him. And when they travel, what they do now and what Kobe uh, instilled in Julius Randle is uh whatever city you fly into no matter the time no matter the hour you go you find a gym and you shoot you get off the plane and you go right to the gym and you shoot so julius randle and and you're not going to be surprised by the names of who you know they said that are doing it with him julius randle emmanuel quickly and rj parent mm. are the three that go they find whatever gym they can get to and they go and shoot and um and it shows with Emmanuel quickly. I mean, all the videos that we saw in the early part of the season where he wasn't getting a ton of minutes. What was he doing? Staying in Madison Square Square, and shooting. Um, but the cool story was they had a game in Detroit after they played the Lakers, and uh the uh one of the athletic directors from a gym uh got the call, you know, and opened the gym up, and when the Julius uh, and the guys came in to shoot. He goes, you know, it's so crazy. I don't see players do this anymore. And Julius was, you know, meant you know, they were talking, and he goes, you know, the last player to do this and actually shoot at the gym was Kobe Bryant. Hmm. And it just chills. I still, yeah. still get chills because that's the work ethic that's been instilled in Julius Randle. This dude is a leader. I mean, he's the first I think the first true captain that this team's had since Patrick Ewing. And I'll give I you just, that. And I just I, I have I that that story just it just Oh, you know, it just—it just goes to show the work ethic that this guy is willing to put in to lead this team um, to the next, you know, step that they need. And whatever free agent wants to come here, come. But I'm excited for what this core is right now.
0: Absolutely, this has been. Sorry fun about to watch. the rant, everybody. No, but no, deal no. with it. You knew we were going to talk about the Knicks Dude, here. I, we it's knew. Been am- it's been
1: amazing. It's—I am happier when the Knicks are better.
0: We all are. Trust me, we are. <laughs> Pad might not be because of all the messages you and I send. Yeah, in our, group Knicks chat. our Knicks rants. But yes. Because, you know, we. we
1: raise, that, raise that seven seven win streak banner, baby. Yes.
2: Just sounds really familiar.
1: No, this is oh, different. You stop. You this stop. This is right different. Now. This isn't, I'm oh, I'm we're ha- going to ha- get I'm having, Zion.
2: I'm having, no, I'm having flashbacks to the Colts raising the AFC oh, finalists Yeah. Wow well, oh, That's
1: fine. We, we, Even we, though we, Zion wants to come to New York. Yes. But so, we got a Julius.
0: Yes, we got a Julius. We'll, we'll cross that when we get to it. Yeah. So that being sad s- news now. Yeah, that being said, because we got to talk some wrestling. Yeah. The WWE did their annual releases Tough. from the company. Uh yeah. some surprising yeah. names on the list is here. Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Tucker, Callisto. Bo Dallas, Mojo Raleigh, Wesley Blake, and Samoa Joe Tough. are all uh, yeah. off the company. Uh, they are on their ninety-day clauses. So I believe July fourteenth. If well, I was a date that I saw. Well,
2: yeah, listen, Pap's Blue Ribbon has already signed Samoa Joe. Yeah,
0: Shit. Uh yeah, that's been <laughs> quite a quite a funny thing to hear on uh, social media. Yeah,
2: but I guess, gentlemen,
0: very quickly, thoughts on the releases and anybody you think is going to go somewhere as soon as the day's up there.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, it was tough to see, you know, some of the initial names go because, I mean, obviously, fan favorites Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. Mm, I mean, yeah. the, obviously, just had a great moment at WrestleMania with Billy Kay, yeah. uh, and Peyton Royce put on a good show, too, so uh, really difficult to see the two of them go. You know, obviously, it's difficult to see everybody go. I mean, I know Bo Dallas from The Sounds and The Rumors has a uh, real estate Thing that
2: he's starting to run, he's, he's winning. Life. Yeah, let's yeah. just put it yeah. that yeah. way. Well, yeah,
1: I mean, besides his personal life, yeah, he's he's got he's, uh, he's winning. Yeah, he's got a real estate thing going on, from what I've heard. So, I mean, obviously, probably want to switch gears and focus on that. Um, but Samoa Joe, you know, obviously the name yeah. that was uh difficult to see um you know the guy had such potential had one of the best promos against brock lesnar mm. that you know really you could see a light spark in brock that we really haven't seen since maybe arguably drew yeah um brought it out of him so i mean that was really tough to see because he just he never was healthy enough to make a run yeah and when he was healthy enough they, they just didn't have the creative for him to push him right. the way that he needed to be pushed um you know, and, and as far as everybody goes, you know, I know a lot of, like, uh, you know, the AEW smarks are like, bring them on. Yeah, sign everybody, AEW, because, you know, you've got all the fucking room in the world for yeah. these rosters. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I Chelsea, I, and, you know, the thing that really perturbs me the most is, you know, a lot of these people are uh, going right after the uh, pipe bomb, you know, uh, shoot interviews. And it's yeah. like, listen, I know that. You're upset and you're probably anger about your angered about your release and shit. But like, let it fester. Like, don't just do the easy thing and like, all right, I'm gonna drop my, you know, my podcast interview on, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, they, X they podcast. Want, they
2: want the Moxley moment. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And I mean, you know, and Jericho's gonna feed into that, and he's probably gonna bring out, bring them all on individually.
0: Uh, see, I don't, I don't think you're gonna have that. I think that some of them are doing. It. I know Tucker is really trying to draw some attention to him. Oh they, yeah which I I just think is such a bad look. Listen, this happens in the business – it's, there are releases every year. Yeah, the Samoa Joe thing is a bit surprising, but surprising, the only the yeah. only thing I could figure is WWE wasn't going to clear him. Right, and yeah, he and wants to wrestle. Listen. Well,
2: and I don't. Well, I don't think he's going to go anywhere because uh, he tweeted something to CM Punk to the effect of they shouldn't have given me all this money.
0: Well, he doesn't have any motivation, so to get to, to like to say to immediately jump back in, he's very well set is for, for, as
1: far as we can tell. I'm just going to say that. You know, when the initial thing happened, it was shocking, even though we probably should have known the date was coming because it's always around WrestleMania season, but but right after though, releases happen in sports all the time. I mean, think about your favorite sports organization, Mm -hmm. not re-signing your favorite player. You know, I mean, the Giants let Leonard Collins go and he was my favorite safety that the Giants had. Shit like this happens all the time. So it's like you knew it was inevitable. It sucks and you don't want to see people without a job, but like. They're going to land on their feet, and they're going to be okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, Samoa Joe, definitely surprising, might be the biggest dropped ball botch job they've ever had in that company's history. It's debatable. It's just tough. Just in terms of the pedigree and the aura and the mystique of Samoa Joe finally coming into WWE and just the buildup and the great stuff he he had at NXT outside of the bad first entrance music. Yeah. You know, just to then go, never won a world title, That really didn't do Now, granted, I get he was injury-prone, but might be the biggest drop ball they've had. But, no, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, if half the crap that's coming out in the days since about certain folks backstage not getting them and this and that, like, what in the actual fuck?
0: Yeah, and I think what they're going to do is I think Kay and Royce are going to go to AEW. I think that that's probably yeah, safe, that's the safe that's yeah. safest yeah. bet. Yeah. yeah, and I think that they're going to be somebody that really helps the vision if they're given the time to do it. Because as we've seen thus far, AEW does not have the best track record of doing it. No,
2: that. I, I think Joe... But stayed... what do you mean? One of
1: their best matches
2: of all time was the women's world title match. And where's the follow-up? Yeah. No, Joe, I think, will stay doing his own thing. You know, they gave me too much money. Uh, I can see Billy K. Peyton Royce going AEW. Uh, Bo, I think, will stay retired or semi-retired. With he's, him. Got
0: or he, he's got a farm or yeah, he's no, he's he's doing doing something. He's got farmer real yeah. estate. He's doing real He's got both.
2: No, he's got both. He's got a farm going with his current uh relationship partner. Uh, and then he's got the, 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 he or they have the uh, real estate thing going. So he's got that going for him. Uh Callisto, I can see going maybe the route of Andrade going like an international, maybe one of the, the Mexican federations. Um, Tucker, I think I can see maybe going the indie route. You know, maybe maybe an NWA, maybe an ROH. You know, I can't see him going to uh, AEW. No, and, I don't. I don't think so, he is. something. Maybe something small. Maybe maybe stick with the indies for a while before he signs with with an NWA or an ROH.
0: Yeah, I think Raleigh and Bleak does the same thing. And I mean, something else that
1: was touched upon that I can't remember who said it, but they were like, you know, to the effect of, as long as you don't burn the bridge. You Know as far as getting released, yeah. Look at who the last two world champions have been exactly guys that have been released who came back and showed the company that they, you know, made a big draw, yes. Yeah, so yeah, they
2: also didn't napalm the bridge on their way yeah. out. Well, that,
1: but that's why that was why that I prefaced that with that. As long as you don't burn the bridge, they will welcome you back. I mean, they did business. With Warrior again, they did business with Hogan again. They did, you know, they did business with Hart again. Like Vince is willing to, as long as you know the dollars are right and and thing, you know, cash can flow. He's willing to do business with you again, as long as you know you don't make an ass out of yourself on the way out. Make me money. Yeah. yeah, and I mean it's a business, so that's the way that it should be. And as long you know, so Payne Royce and Billy Kay, five years from now. Could very easily be your WWE Women's World Champion uh, Tag Team Champions at WrestleMania. Yeah. Very
0: easily. I think it'll be a, an interesting play when this all sets up in July because I know with AEW having all-out in late August, I'm not doubting that that's when we see some of these people debut there. I could definitely see, like I said, Kay and Royce I think are there. I think that's as safe as a lock as you can get. Samoa Joe will be the ultimate X-Factor because if he gets cleared by AEW's doctors to wrestle, I'm sure he'd go there. I know that it, it would be a long shot, but CM Punk. They want to really try making that match happen. Him it, and Joe. Impact also has Slammiversary or one of their big, yeah, but, quarterly pay per views. But though. in all honesty, like Impact has this weekend, their pay per view uh, with Rick Swan taking on Kenny Omega. Right? Is anybody even talking about it? Like,
2: I mean, not really. Outside the fact that Morrow's going to be on the yeah, like I said, Morrow
0: is going to be doing the commentary. Other than that, like I, I honestly see Impact getting absorbed by AEW by summer end. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But with all these releases, we're just going to have to say we wish everybody good luck in the future endeavors. Yeah. And we can't wait to see where everybody winds up when they get finally uh, off their 90-day Nothing no but positivity. Plus. Absolutely. So that all being said, I know we went extra long this episode, so I'm just going to put it short and sweet. For everything that is the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast, swing on over to odphpodcast.com because that's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Go, New York. Go, New York. For the one and only Padawan J. Fuck
2: the New Jersey Devils.
0: I'm your host, Ken M. See you on Twitch on Saturday, folks. Twitch.tv slash 67 podcast Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.